This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. She didn't even have to break stride. It was absolutely sublime. Yeah, we were just we were... watching it on repeat, yeah. like just yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and it's rightfully getting the attention it deserves. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's uh, Wednesday morning, the 31st of August. You're very welcome along to OTB AM. The show must go on, as they sing. Johnny Ward is here this morning. Johnny, good morning to you. How are you? Life after own. Tough one for all of us. I don't know. Can we Can we go on? Can we? Should we? We must. Will we? Let's go on. They mm. sit there. Was Tell you what, he fairly milted though. He was about, He must have been out for the last week. I, I I I avoided the invitation to go to like three going away uh, drinks with them just for for no other reason than I just didn't. You don't really like him. He's emerging now, is it? Wow! When I go out with Owen, we we uh, we tend to stay out for a while, and in the mood that he was in, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to be professional these days. You can't last the pace. No, of the I youngsters can't. anymore. Met him in other voices in Dingle, and uh, yeah, we had a great night. Um, and yeah, ever since then, I've uh, I've always been. Uh, you know that you can't slander the dead. He's not dead. Just beware. No, he's not dead. Um, got a great send off. He did get a yeah. great send off. Yeah, the uh, the outpouring of love was um, was good. I thought the message uh, from the guy who'd been listening to him uh, undergoing treatment was Shifty lovely. Lad. Sometimes we we forget that you know people actually does mean something to people. Um, Owen's voice of a morning can have a sort of a soothing effect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, he was somebody I spoke more to than anybody else in, in the world because you can't have a relationship where you're talking with somebody two hours every day. No. Nobody, nobody wants that. No, certainly not in one two-hour segment. Um, Dan McDonald turns 40 today as well, friend of the show. Very good. Happy birthday, Dan. His kind of life is over as well. Is it? Is it at 40? Or? Don't think so. No? Things have changed a little bit. What was your 40s like? I can't actually remember. Did you do anything? I mean, I don't know. It's a long time ago, Johnny. Mm. I don't know. What, what was your 40s like? It's not in the past tense yet. I'm, I'm deliberating over what to do. It's, it's a difficult one. You, do you want those four... Mere weeks away now, is it? Huh? Mere weeks November away. November 11th. That is actually... Do you put those four zero balloons? It's like a sign of... Oh, I don't know. There's just something about the four zero balloons. I might put up two one oh, balloons it's, or it's something. It's grimming you out. It is a bit, yeah. Uh, is it? Mm. Why? You know, Pete, our producer as well... Um, He's not producing today, but he's, he does like, uh, he's, he's a DJ uh, in his other life. And I was thinking of getting him in, but I was thinking, would Pete's like techno be just too young for people now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nobody wants, nobody in your age group, your demographic <laughs> wants to be, unless they're like, you know. Play it's their and Alan. It's their once annual trip to somewhere where that happens. Yeah. And, and everybody in the crowd. <laughs> I've already is, done that. Everybody in the crowd is the same age. Yeah. Right? That's when it's acceptable, but not, no. You know. Um, I'm sure Pete has other things he could do, other tricks. <laughs> I'm sure he can. I wonder will Owen be around for it? Probably not. I mean, no. No. No, we have confidence he's going to be gone for the whole year. Mm. <clears throat> I think, is he going to come crawling back? There are there are wild oats to sow, yeah. as, as he confirmed yesterday. Yeah. It's nice uh, It's nice to be young enough to travel. and. So you are young enough to travel. You are. This is this is ridiculous, like, my life is over because I'm turning 40. Nonsense. If there's anybody out there who has any advice for Johnny, 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number, or you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream. You, you, you need a little bit of help. I thought it was going to be me that needed a little bit of help this morning, but actually it's you. Yeah, you'd, you'd have a bit of a hairy morning. Well, you didn't, but you were witness to the same. Well, uh, I'm on the bike, turned around the corner from Dame Street up Georgia Street, and uh, this kind of this scene is unfolding where there's multiple people and there's a man... It seems like chasing a woman and certainly running after her, and lots of screaming. And um, 
I'm like, okay, you're kind of cycle past it before you realise what's going on. And then you realise that some other people have stopped. And um, so I like, get my phone out to phone the guards and say there's an incident happening as opposed to intervening, right? That's the first thing is like, uh, what do I do here? What's the, what I should, you know. And so I'm, I'm on the phone to the guards and now you're starting, starting to panic a little bit because like, um, actually wasn't entirely, they were like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm on Dame Street. And I was like, I'm not, I'm on Georgia Street. And then I'm like, Screaming at your man, going, I'm calling the cops. And there's somebody else standing beside him, oh, out. And the guards are like, I can't hear you. And I'm like, I can't hear you. You know, so all of a sudden, and then this woman cycles past in her high vis, hops off the bike, and mills into the two of them, <coughs> separates them. It's probably what you should like, have done. Yeah. Oh, what's going to happen here? Because your man had his hand in his, in his pocket at one stage. And they're like, try to describe him. Like, I can't describe it. He's a man. He's, what age there, these a man. Um, do you 30, know? Odd. Like. Uh, between 25 and 35 and um, like he had it by the hair at one stage and then, he, then he's like he's, he's screaming about money he's screaming about money and he's like got his hand in her bag and throwing stuff out and there was there was definitely other people around like there could have been she could have been part of a group of four people the two men with her seemed to have run off the woman with her seemed to have stayed behind uh, but you the, weren't keeping your eyes on the road much this morning. Well, uh, you were I, taking I, it all I, in. I was on the phone, like yeah, at this stage. Okay, um, and uh, the woman hops off and mills into them, and then another man comes along and kind of backs her up, and then they're kind of like they're screaming at him to sit down and shut up, stop it, and he's like fifteen euro, fifteen euro, fifteen euro, and she's like, I'm a guard. I was like, okay, that's interesting, because <laughs> it wasn't like. There wasn't a squad car. She had just mm. hopped off her bike. Off like, she was just on a bike. Is she actually a guard? Yeah. Is she just saying this now to shut him up? She, were, she was very brave as she were. Well, like... She I'd like to say I would have done differently, Ger, but I don't She know. totally handled herself like somebody who was, you know... Mm. Here's this shite again. Look at this. Mm. And, um, yeah. So then another another guy kind of comes up and is like, you need to listen to him, Tara. She's like, we don't need a crowd here, buddy. Off you go. Uh, now, it did strike me that something had happened. Um, and... You know, in respect, maybe there was a, a group of people, but it was horrific. It was like it, it, the type of thing where you're going, "Oh my god!" It's, it's hard. To, it's hard to know what to do. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, and it's well, almost you, like when you when you're on the loose and you you see or you witness like racist abuse, but you're intimidated by the person giving it. You're you know you should intervene, but do you intervene? A lot of people just look on their phones and just try to avoid it. And um, sometimes I don't know. Scenes like that are just. Just make you fearful, and you just try to. I don't, I'm sure I'd have the bottle to intervene. Well, uh, that woman definitely did. She was a guard. She was cycling on her way to work, and um, I know she took my details, and away I went. And that is was there the end an of edge? It. Is there an edge to Dublin at the moment that wasn't pre-pandemic? I don't know if it's connected to the pandemic or if mm, it's just one of these isolated incidents. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, certainly, there's been. Everybody I know has had something not pleasant happen to them in bus queues in town where somebody mm-hmm. comes along and screams at them. And it just, I, I mean, obviously people are really struggling. The homelessness crisis is completely out of control. They're only counting people in emergency accommodation, not the rough sleepers. Like, you know, uh, I, I life is do difficult. The, I do despair the way the city has gone, though, of late in the sense of just the housing crisis, which is 
really appalling like for a city of the wealth it seems there's, there's so like the tech companies are, are paying people a lot of money um, who can afford these places but there obviously aren't enough um, houses and I have a cousin from the states who's over literally has nowhere to live nowhere to live who's here in college then you have the homeless situation and like you know the point is being made but people having to queue an hour like particularly women to have a queue an hour for a taxi at half one on a Saturday night like this is what's happened to the city like this is it is dangerous and there is a bit of an edge of menace to it like I was at the Oasis gig the other night which may, may be more to the Oasis gig but I didn't like the atmosphere at it particularly um, just a kind of an edge bit of a kind of a rough crowd in places and you come back into the city and it's just I don't know no, Dublin used to be a nicer place, I think. And it didn't cost 150 quid of a meal for two every night either. No. Anyway. There's, there, well, there's many other many other issues. Mm. <laughs> right. That's, that's a first world problem. OTVAM yeah. is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish today. Although, Johnny, by the uh, amount of times you're eating out on your uh, Instagram just account... I literally squander every penny well, it, does, it does look yeah. like you're, you're eating your way into your 40s and fair play to you. <laughs> I'll eat my way out as well. Uh, right. We should talk about some of the big news overnight. Uh, Chelsea beaten again. Gavin Bazzino, absolutely sensational. The big news from the League of Ireland is that Keith Long is no longer the Bohemians manager. It, I, I don't know, is this too soon? Has he not done enough over the... Is the track record not good enough that they should allow him to get through a blip? Or did they feel like, OK, you've done a brilliant job to get us to this point? Because it, it was a very long statement that they uh, they wrote down. It they, was. It wasn't one of the two, the cursory two two lines. No. Mutual agreement. No, it was definitely a, when we took over, uh, when he took over, we were on our uppers. He, he helped pilot the club on the field through very difficult times. Um, it felt to me like maybe that's the type of thing. I From the outside, I don't know anything about what the quality of football was like, but it, also, they don't have the bigger budgets. So, are they not where they're supposed to be in terms of the League of Ireland Premier Division? Yeah, like this was a tough one. I was just reading Aidan Fitzmaurice in the Indo today. He's uh, according to Aidan, he's used thirty-two players in the league this season. That is absolutely staggering. Um, in the space of what have we twenty-five, six games, maybe twenty-seven games, um, and I suppose when when we were we were doing our podcast yesterday, myself and Dan, the aforementioned, and the one thing I would say about Keith this season is that he brought in so many new players that it smacked of a problem that he wasn't necessarily sure of solving. Whether he he had a problem with the captaincy as well. Um, and Bowes got rid of or lost so many players in the last 12 months that it was always going to be difficult. There, are, I think a few factors came together. First of all, they haven't had a terrible season. Like, they're mid-table, which is... They should be doing a bit better, but I'm not sure they should be doing a lot better in terms of the turnover. Um you look at Pats last season, Pats have a totally different team almost from the cup final, give or take two players. They're having they're having a good season, but they got knocked out of the cup and they're not a million miles better than Bowes this season. So um I think just it, it derailed a bit on Keith Long in the sense that Keith Buckley was the captain and the talisman and when he left, I think they didn't replace him. They didn't they never really looked like a team that when I've seen them this season. They gave away an awful lot of late goals. Even if two or three of those games had been wins, it they'd look a lot rosier. Um but I think if you read his interview, which was Mike Scully had it in the mirror, his late interview from the game Monday night, it was almost like he was it was almost like he, he he felt this might happen. What happened yesterday? Because he he just seemed like there was a bit of despair there. Um, and the Bose fans, like the Bose fans, I used to find the Bose fans quite uh, tough on their managers down the years. But under Keith Long, they haven't been because he really has been a really good manager, and he's had a great relationship with the fans. So I, I found quite sad about it. I, I've been at games this season where 
Keith Long would go off the pitch and Bowes have had a patchy season all along but he'd go off the pitch they'd won the game and he'd be fist pumping the crowd and it was it wasn't this kind of like contrived thing it was mean it was there was meaning to the relationship because he bought into the project he was a true bohemian in the words never got a chance to say goodbye to the fans like never got a chance to like a daily month of the night that mightn't have been the time or the place but the same as like when Buckley was let go by Sligo Buckley had a house in Sligo he just had to up sticks and leave the town and there was no you don't really get a chance to say goodbye when you're basically sacked and I feel for him um, but I can see I can see where Bowes were coming from as well there, there were other factors as well Jaron that Bowes budget wouldn't be the best I think the fact that they were training in the evening didn't necessarily appeal to players um, and I think players decided to go elsewhere then you have Derry City Dundalk improving this season Rovers as solid as they are Sligo and Pats being good Bowes probably had to improve and they went backwards a bit and that meant that they've had a very poor season by Long standards. He, they also haven't won a trophy under his reign. Yeah, it's hard though. Like it, it is hard. It's it's a hard old uh, slog when the rest of um, the league is progressing the way they are, and you you have to try and keep pace with that. As I said, with you know similar or smaller budgets. So um, they've appointed interim uh, mm. a pair. So it's Trevor Crawley and Derek Pender. Yeah. Um, uh, Derek Pender, who's quite well regarded, Trevor Colley's a really good coach. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he wants to go back into management, but where does Keith Long go from here is an interesting one because this does feel like it was that amazing relationship you had, which almost had everything but didn't quite, and it ended in a in in in, in a kind of a very good way. It wasn't as acrimonious as it could have been, but you you just don't know where Keith Long is going to go now because he's been there so long. There are so few jobs in the League of Ireland, like Vinnie Perts hasn't gotten a job since the Dundalk uh, role. Um, there are there are very few jobs, and I do feel for him because the, the amount of players they lost, and some of the players he brought in, his recruitment was very good at times. I think recruitment let him down this season. Um, but that's a trick that's very hard to to keep going because oh yeah, just to do it over and over and over. And the League of Ireland is like I think the League of Ireland is quite competitive. The the level of coach and the level of detail that's into it now is very very strong. And if you, even if you're a little bit off and you concede late goals, but I I do feel for him because. Um, Keith is an, he's a kind of a, an, an intriguing character to deal with in the media but I, I really always liked uh, I always liked how forthright he was in interviews and you could tell it was really hurting him this season it was it was weighing him down and maybe that's one relief to him anyway that he doesn't have to worry about that because they were playing Rovers on Friday which probably wasn't going to be good um, or yeah and maybe they'll get a response from it now so you, do you think those two will take over for the rest of the season and they'll find a new manager in the off season I, I you- honestly don't know but I, I don't I don't think it's a situation where um like we, Jamie Duff has some very interesting remarks in the paper today about like managers tapping up players and all that. Um, so he's he's kind of venting a bit, which he's been doing of late. But I don't think Bose have someone lined up and they were just waiting to get rid of Keith Long. I think I think this was very very difficult for Bose. You almost get that in the statement where Long has been so good for the club. Bose are a unique club. They do so much in the community. They get mocked a bit for it, but I think it's fantastic. Their crowds have gone up. Their crowds have basically doubled since they were winning the league back in the day. So there's a real great atmosphere around Bowes this season. And in general, the only thing that was missing this season was they weren't that good in the pitch. And long any time anytime they get a player, anytime the recruitment is good, the He'll player go. leaves. Like even Liam Burke, like I, I was just thinking, Liam Burke will probably be wanted by Sean Groves and may go there. And Bowes are a, a fan-owned model and that does have its limitations but I think the the tough thing for Keith Long is they're finally transitioning to morning training and becoming a full-time team and after all the work that he put in to get them there and to get them to where they are 
he won't have the chance to actually do it. And I, I think that's tough for him. And he and Crawley were definitely a double act, two completely different characters, and it worked. Um, and it just came to a... It's kind of a sad end. Sad end this season. But I, I don't really... I don't think anyone would really blame Bowes because I, I, I think... It felt like an end was coming. It did, and they were, they, they've were they been poor this season. Um, they were really poor the other night. The first goal... I, I, the one thing I'd say is that is his track record not good enough to allow him to have a down season? That actually, you know... I, I you, said you, that in the podcast this was like nearly right off the season, start afresh. Well, yeah. yeah, and yeah. start, you know, like there's... Like, uh, a lot of the great managers who made it back in the day came through really sticky patches or had, had to reinvent and, and had to re, you know rethink I think it, it does challenge you as well but I haven't been I haven't been at Bose games of late and I haven't interviewed Key but maybe maybe there was the if you read the interview from after the Pats game they were really poor the other night if you read the interview afterwards it does sound like he's he kind of just didn't have the solution to it at this stage and maybe they thought it was the right decision personally I would have voted to keep him I'm not a fan of sacking managers they'd given him a contract to 2024 and I think he deserved the chance to recruit again in the off season but I could see the counterpoint and in fairness nowadays Gerard, hardly anyone gets this long no, um, no, and that's the sad reality. But it always felt like they were making progress up until you know, this season. Until yeah, all their best players keep getting signed by their rivals. Seven forty-seven. Like, like Stephen Bradley, by everyone's metric, really should have been let go by Rovers when they were doing crap. They stuck with them. Look where they are now. Um, so yeah. 7.47 here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock Sue Ronan's going to join us in just a couple of minutes time we have uh, Stephen Kisby Green talking to us about South Africa which are uh, not in crisis but certainly um, they have had a bad rugby championship but they have just beaten the Lions and won the World Cup so uh, we'll see what they're doing are they roped up in the rest of the rugby world sports pages at 8.35 we've got um, Jenny Rispin at 8.50 to talk about Eamon Murray we've got Deal or No Deal with Phil I thought today was the last day I'm not going to lie but it's not it's tomorrow they're like just in case everybody thought that 31 days in August wasn't enough there's a whole another day in September <laughs> it's like you thought it was safe to go into the back to football it's not there's still another 36 hours of this left and we'll bring you some Fintan McCarthy goodness uh, who's talking about what it's like to be one half of the most dynamic team in Irish sports history uh, 7.46, 7.48 even. Uh, Colm is here. Colm, good morning to you. Sir and Johnny, welcome to the new era of OTBAM. Where we do tennis every day, is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. I did think you mightn't mention on today, out of principle. Oh, no. You should get, uh, Aina Carroll has a good idea. You should get an Owen Sheehan hologram like they did for Tupac at Coachella back in 2014. Make it slightly more faint daily until he just fades off into the ether. This is too sudden. It is too sudden. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We it could be a quantum that. leap, and we all leap into Owen for every episode, and we just play him in a different role. Yeah, we should, should quantum leap's that. coming back. Apparently, is it? That's yeah. a very specific reference that a lot of our younger audience aren't going to get. Yeah, um, I, it's hard. It's hard when you when you're edging towards forty. Yeah, uh, it was a heavy start to the show today. It was, but I mean, like, if it's fairness, if you if you cycle in the shortage trip to work and you come upon a domestic, oh yeah, man and woman, it, it wasn't domestic. It wasn't domestic. It wasn't even a domestic. It wasn't a domestic. No, no, it wasn't. These people did not know each other. They don't know each other. No, no, no. Oh, okay, no, no, no they did not know each other. It was. Uh, it, it, well, it's going to be a heavy start to the show. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Fitting, isn't it? Uh, I see Timo Werner scored a first half hat trick last night where Chelsea were losing to Southampton. Says Shifty Lad. Finally, Timo Werner. Owens. Big brass prediction at the start of this season or last season. <laughs> Must have been last. Timo Werner was going to make it. Uh, he, he's doing it. He just waited until Owen was gone so he could taunt him. 
I'm kind of yeah. glad that it's... Um, I think Tuchel has let himself down quite badly this season with the comments about the referee after... Was that the Leeds game? <laughs> and in those utterly absurd comments about the fact that he had, that he's, him, him and his coaching staff couldn't get the private plane to Leeds. Like, I thought, this is a man who's not living in the real world here. So I don't shed many tears for his current problems. And he could be under pressure soon. I don't know what this... We'll talk about this in deal or no deal a bit more with Phil, but, like, you're spending a quarter of a billion this... uh, They're actually going to spend 170 million on two defenders, and Mm. one of them, two 20-year-old defenders, and one of them they're going to loan back to Mm. uh, Red Bull. They've dropped eight points. uh, It's very interesting to see what's going on there. And the investment in young players has been phenomenal, but they're they're not actually influencing the first team at the moment. So we will see. Uh, right Colm you're here because Emirata Kanu is out yeah I feel for her now because she's going to get the abuse that's been coming to her really in the last 11 months since she won the US Open so dramatically last year beating Leila Fernandez in the final why did she get abuse she's been called basically a one hit wonder okay but she's so young she's only 19 now mm. you know now she's 19 um and she changed coaches a number of times like the coach that she won the US Open under uh he was sacked weeks later and then got a replacement coach who was also removed so that's been labelled at her but it, it just feels incredibly harsh like I mean she's already achieved more than 99% of other tennis players but here she is in the first round of of the Grand Slam that she's defending and she lost to Elise Cornet which is no shame like Cornet beat um, uh, Igor Sviantic at Wimbledon and Sviantic had a remarkable unbeaten run before that where we thought there's nobody going to touch Sviantic and she could do a calendar slam here go all the way around right up until the next Australian Open which Ash Barty won it's, hard to, it's been some year for women's tennis in 2022 I mean it started with, yeah, yeah. with Ash Barty winning the Australian Open and then retiring a couple of months later and here we are now with the defending champion losing in the first round but like she's in good company Radicanu overnight in terms of surprise exits from the first round you have Naomi Osaka the two-time champion the 2020-2018 champion she's out uh, the Wimbledon champion Alina Rabakina she's mad. gone first round uh, you have Venus Williams, who is going to be partnering Serena in the doubles. So that's something to look forward to. Serena's still in it, of course. She won her first round. And they got a big ceremony at the end of her first round. We love Serena and, on, uh, on court. And then Sophia Kennan, 2020 Australian Open champion, is gone. And Yelena Ostapenko, former French Open champion, is gone. That's all in the first round. That's the no. US Open. Curse the time zone. Very difficult, very difficult Grand Slam to follow in Ireland. Because all the great matches are on at midnight Irish time. If you're working the PM show now, it's possible. Mm. But this, are you going to catching up every morning? But there's kind of an excitement to it if you're following it when you're waking up every morning, checking your phone, I wonder what happened overnight. But so far, so good for the uh, Nick Kyrgios bandwagon. Did he you not... His best wh- friend, Kakanakis, in the first round. Watch the match and then, like, have a nap later on in the day. Just get up and... No, I'm talking midnight. Yeah. But I've, I'm up at five. So they have a four-hour sleep-ish and then... A two hour nap during the day. Functions, no. Could huh? be on tennis. Huh? Would you want that for me, sir? I mean, no. You're mad. What? That's crazy. Mm. Is that what you would do? I don't think you would. If I, I were into it, you're, you're not into any sports and into napping zone, during the day a bit, which is Have not you? good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, doing doing that. Now. yeah. I'm, doing, I'm doing the napping during the day, but. Um, Siestas. It's just. Uh, that's impossible. That's, that's, that's just too. Unsustainable. Mm. Over two weeks. Maybe mm. once. Maybe yeah. once. Um, so but look, it's like it's such a shame that we can't watch this live because who, there's so many great matches. Who's left? Who's left in the women? Who like who are the favourites now? Igor Swiatek, 
She's seeded one. I think uh, Pelo Badassa might win it. She's seeded four. You have Annette Contevade, who's second seed. Remarkable that she's second seed. She's never even come close to winning a Grand Slam, but she racks up the points throughout the season. She wins other tournaments, but never in Grand Slams. She's playing Serena Williams in the second round, which is today. So that could be the end of Serena's Grand Slam career. Or end of her career overall, depending on what she's going to do for definite after this US Open. You have Maria Sacchari, who's third seed, but she's very inconsistent. She should have got to the French Open final in 2021. She should have beaten the eventual champion, champion Barbara Kachikova, uh, but she didn't. So she's not very convincing. Anjabur, Wimbledon finalist, she's still in it. There's nobody that convincing. I mean, look, it's a, we said it loads of times. It's a good and bad thing. You can have 20 to 30 different champions in the women's game, which is great. Always a different champion, very interesting. The bad thing is it needs a star. And certainly at this time when Serena's about to retire, it yeah, I, thought, someone she, I thought she was retired. Is she, she announced her retirement yeah. at the end of this. Okay, so this could yeah, be her swan song. This, this, this is, is basically her, like, officially, yeah. Would she, have, would she have a chance? To, oh yeah, you'll absolutely beat Cantivate because as, as I said, Cantivate is She's really a chance of winning this match, but... She, she's really underwhelming at Grand Slams, but... It'd be remarkable for her to win it. She yeah, should okay. be that. I mean, Serena's 40, she's barely played tennis in the last year. It would be a sensational result if she pulled it off, but this time tomorrow we could be talking about Serena Williams in the past tense. She has no match day. fitness. You could see that in Wimbledon where she was in a winning position and still lost to Cornet, who is good, but not great. No, it was, it was Harmony Tan in the first round, Sorry, who's, who's also out. Of this US Open. Another one has been eliminated. Right. Uh, Cornet beat who? Uh, Cornet beat Vatikanu. In Wimbledon? Oh, Svantec. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Right, 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 right. How many times? So, yeah. yeah, she's but she a was, very dangerous opponent. She, so, again, no shame at Vatikanu. Like, I, I don't know, I feel instinctively like I come to her defence a lot, but because she's remarkable, she won a Grand Slam as a teenager, and remember she made her debut at Wimbledon. And she was good at Wimbledon. Like, really good. Wimbledon, she got to yeah. the fourth round, and so she had to retire. In terms of her sponsorship, kind of, and her, all that jazz now, is she, is she going to kind of become a lot less attractive, or...? It's a good question. I mean, she like she has a lot of commercial deals amassed over the last year, and she's one of the wealthiest female sports athletes in the world. Mm. Um, already, already, I don't think it's really going to affect her. Like she's so young, I'd say the best thing that she can do tennis-wise is just take a step back and just really work hard in her game and play a few two fifty, five hundred events and rack up the wins. But I don't think of in terms of off-court, I don't think it affects her too much. She's still a massive role model for people. I see mm. Judy Murray in her column this week was saying that, you know, losing in the first round might be the best thing for her at the moment. And then, lo and behold, it happens. Is there any possibility that Judy Murray gets involved? Yeah. Is that like the type of thing that it might happen? Be, it would be a good idea. Um, I'm not sure about it being the best thing that she lost in the first round. I, did, I mean, that yeah. was the headline. Yeah, I mean... I, 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 with a load of other people gone. I would this... Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of better for her cushions to blow that a lot of other high-profile players are also out in the first round but I would have thought a really good result for Radicano would have been started the second week Naomi fourth S- round quarter-final Naomi Osaka there was some suggestion that maybe she was going to come back into form but that hasn't happened No, again like she's a bit like Serena she's kind of playing part-time tennis I mean I remember us discussing Osaka at the start of last year 2021 she's the last woman to win back-to-back Grand Slams she won the US Open 2020 Australian Open 2021 by then she had four Grand Slams at a very very young age we were talking, she's probably going to be the best hardcore player ever if she keeps this up. And really, since then, do you remember, she very dramatically um, quizzed the French Open in 2021. She removed herself from the tournament after winning her first round, citing mental health issues. So she's a big advocate of mental health, and she, again, is a big role model in that side of things. But since that French Open last year, she really has played very little tennis. And when she has, she's been unconvincing. She's been okay. She's got to the finals of a couple of 500, 1,000 events. She's still really dangerous, brilliant player, but it's just not the dominant force that she was two years ago. But like plenty of time to resurrect that side. 
of her game that dominance if she wants to but it, it all depends on her will is it all too much like for you know you look at Barty retiring Saka's had her, her mental health issues obviously press conferences issues not yeah. getting back to her best um, it, it must be extremely demanding well definitely I mean like being a tennis player is tough like I mean for for 95% of the field it's an absolute grind mm. and there's like some fascinating documentaries out there that people can find on YouTube where you have these grinders who are like outside the top 1000 in the world who are who are paying for all their accommodation and flights and transport, can't afford coaches, and it actually costs a lot of these people to play mm. tennis, but such is their love of it that they're not going to make any money from it. They're getting beaten all the time. Can you imagine the effect that would have on you, both from a financial perspective and a mental health point of view? But it's the elite players that make it look so fashionable and great. So you have Rafa Nadal and Serena Williams in her heyday and many others who are like, oh my God, can you imagine being a brilliant tennis player? And all that aside then... Wouldn't you just love if there was an Irish tennis player out there that made a run? I think my second cousin was 200 in the world at, at one stage. Like her, Your second cousin? My second cousin in, in New York and her um, father, who would have been my mother's, for, who is my mother's first cousin, he was just big into tennis, so he got all the kids playing tennis. And I remember playing her sister once when she was probably about 10 and I was 15. And I actually got a point off her. Right. I actually did like genuinely I was delighted with myself they were so good and how double fault was it yeah did she <laughs> did you win the point or did she uh, lose the point I can't, it probably was a double fault was it yeah I was like 30-15 my work is done here <laughs> <laughs> Colin good stuff thanks very much we'll keep you up to date on what's going on Nadal obviously still in the in the men's he won overnight right uh, he's playing tonight yeah okay oh sorry he did win last night yes so four a- sets though he lost the first set right uh Nearly bang on 8 o'clock. The Premier League is back. We've teamed up with one of Europe's largest sports events, ticketing and hospitality companies, Champions Travel, to give you the opportunity to win a €250 Champions Travel voucher every day this week that can be used on Premier League match trips, as well as a host of other sporting events. To enter, all you've got to do is tell us who this world-famous golfer is talking about the week he worked with off the ball. Um, there was no days off. Granted, there were easier days than others. Uh, my leg didn't, didn't work that well that day. We did upper body, and uh, but we did something every single day. And uh you can uh, tweet us your guests on our main Twitter account, which is at Off the Ball. Tomorrow night, Ireland play Finland at a sold-out tala in what is an absolutely massive game for Vera Paris side. To talk about the match, and delighted to say we're rejoined by uh, former Ireland manager Sue Ronan. Sue, how are you getting on? Good, lads. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Um, we hope that the stadium is as rocking as it should be because there's some possibility that some of these tickets aren't going to end up being used. But fingers crossed that actually the ground is full because this is kind of a crescendo moment for this team. And so with that and the hype and the expectation, what do you expect in terms of a performance tomorrow from the team? Well, first of all, I agree with you. Um, I really hope everyone that's bought a ticket uh, went to the trouble of, of going online within the first half an hour when the ticket sold out. Bought a ticket, will actually go tomorrow night. Um, the weather's looking okay. should be a lovely evening. Let's hopefully, uh, let's fill out that stadium and have it rocking, as you say, uh, because, you know, this could be an historic moment for, for the Irish team. Um, we could qualify for our, our first playoff for the World Cup. Uh, we were previously in a playoff for European Championships, but never for a World Cup. So um, let's hope everyone has bought a ticket actually turn up tomorrow night and go along. Um, in terms of what to expect, um, 
I think it's going to be a great occasion. Um, I think uh, the, the team would have had this one earmarked in, in the back of their mind for a long time. Um, you know, as one they're really looking forward to, one that they they you know they want to win and one that they need to win. Um, I suppose they, they don't in terms of the points we looked at were what is it one point ahead of um, Finland. Um, but you know, we, we, you want to you want to win the match tomorrow night and qualify for that playoff. Uh, as I said, making an historic moment. So, you know, I think the girls be well prepared. They've been looking forward to this game for a long time, as the management have. So, it should be a great occasion. I wish I was there myself, but unfortunately, I can't be. If you, if sorry, if you were manager, Sue, would you? Would you be happy that the Finns have changed their manager? Obviously, on the back of the Euros, uh, they're coming to Tala. It's a good atmosphere. It looks like this is a set of players that could potentially crumble. Or do you think there'll be that manager bounce? You know, you could get it. Could go either way. Um, you usually do get a management bounce, as you know yourself. When uh, we see it in the Premier League all the time, when manager changes hands, um, the next game the team are unrecognisable. You know, from what they've been performing all along. Um, so we could very well see that there's going to be players in that Finland team who'll be really disappointed with how this campaign has gone for them. Um, also, how the Euro finals has gone for them. They, they lost all three games uh, against Germany, Spain and Denmark. And, you know, they were beaten, as I think it was 3-0 by Germany, 4-1 by Spain and 1-0 by, by Denmark. So while in the Denmark game, you know, they did pretty well, the scoreline the other two suggests they were beaten quite well. Um, so there'll be players there. and You look at the, the, the likes of Westerlund, who's been around a long time, um, uh, and many other players too, they'll want to now put in a performance uh, to try to turn this round. Um, they'll want to impress a new manager who's come in, uh, although I think it is just someone who's come in uh, in the interim for the two games to see out the campaign, to try to galvanise the team. The, the time frame to replace Anna Signal is probably far too short. Um, and I'm sure there's some consistency amongst the way the national teams play in Finland. My understanding is this uh, guy is from the under-17 yeah. team. Yeah. So, um, look, you could get very well get that bounce. Um, but, I mean, even besides that, I think Finland really haven't played well for the last few years. I'm sure individually all those girls will want to try to address that and try to put in some sort of a performance. So that's something we do have to be wary, wary of. Uh, how important is the fact that we beat them? Like... I, I, <laughs> Because the campaign has been so fractured, there's been a tournament in the middle of it, as you pointed out, the manager's been sacked. Is there mm-hmm. much that you lean on? Like, do we do we expect uh, continuity of selection? Can they lean back on that match at all? Or do you just need to forget that completely and, and treat this one as an entirely new challenge? I think they do have to treat it as an entirely new challenge. Um, I mean, there's been some suggestion that they were caught in the hop when we played them in Helsinki. I, I don't agree with that, to be honest. Um, I, I've said it, I think, on, on this program before. I think Finland have been a team on the slide for a number of years, um, whereas we've been a team on the ascension. We've been on the up. And if you look at the, the rankings now in the, in the world, we're ranked ahead of Finland, where that obviously wasn't the case when the draw was made because by virtue of the fact Finland are second, second seed, uh, in, currently second seed in this group. So we were ranked behind them. But now that has reversed. And that's, that shows that our results have been really good in the last couple of years and theirs haven't. Um, you know, so I, I think we're a team on descendancy and I don't think uh, they were caught on the hop. I think they would have known that in the last time around. But having said that, you know, maybe now they, they might be better prepared. Maybe there was a bit of complacency. I don't know what, what went on in the Finland camp. Maybe the fact they were second seed, they, they, they didn't take us as seriously as they should have. 
that won't happen this time around, I'm sure. Um, but for me, I think we're a better team at the moment. I think we're we're so so uh, we we do so well defensively. We're, we're you know we're flamboyant in attack. We can score goals from a number of of, of positions on on the pitch. Many of our players can score goals. Um, we can score from set play. We can score from from play. Um, we don't seem to be nervous at all, no matter who we play. You know, I think the crowd will be a real factor for, for us tomorrow. There's a great connection between us and the, and the, and the fans now. I think uh, that will really galvanise us in any in any of those tough moments, which we will have, no matter how the game goes. You know, if you're if you're doing really well in the game, you're always going to have one or two tough moments. Um, but yeah, I think the last one was a one-off uh, from from Finland's point of view. They'll have forgotten that, but you know they they'll be well prepared as we will for the game uh, tomorrow. And like it's in both their hands. If, if Finland win their last few games, they'll they they'll they'll tip us to second. That's the um, other thing, yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's still in their hands. So they've got a lot to play for. Also, they're not out of it yet either. You know. We just spoke Sue this morning about Keith Long at Bowes and. Um, like when there is that connection with the crowd, it it, I, I, it it does mean something, I think. And you can see kind yeah. of like the the team as a collective actually sort of, you, you might be having a 7 out of 10 performance, but you win. Whereas if you have a 6 yeah. out of 10 performance, you just lose quite badly. But like, yeah. isn't, isn't this an opportunity for this this kind of burgeoning connection between the, the Irish crowd and this team to, to really actually yeah. have, an, have, a, have an influence on the game? Because as we said, Finland yeah. are kind of there for the taking. Yeah, no, absolutely they are. And I, I firmly believe the crowd will be the 12th man or 12th woman, whatever you want to call it, tomorrow. You know, I really do think they'll get behind the team. And there, as as you said yourself, there's that connection there. And win, lose, or draw over the years, the, the Irish team stayed out. They, they engaged with the fans after the match. They had photographs taken, autographs uh, signed. And that was a tough thing to do when you just lost a game. And they did that in my time. They they probably did it in, in the time before me. They did it in Colin Bell's time. And indeed, they do it now. But there's that connection has been there. It's been building and building. And it's like a crescendo now. And the crowd are really, really behind them. And I'm a big Arsenal fan, as you probably know. And I, I see it even happening in, in, uh, in the Emirates, where that mm. connection now with the, with, the, with the team has really propelled them onto things that they wouldn't have done before. So it absolutely can help, you know. And I think it will be significant tomorrow. The um, quality of performance you've been talking about there has been steadily ticking up. The, the mistakes mm-hmm. that... Uh, would have happened in Vera Powell's first campaign. They seem to have been ironed out. There also seems to be strength yeah. and depth. And yeah. the the training camps they've had, you know, they, they played friendlies kind of very much off-Broadway. And we, yeah. I don't think anybody saw the game against the Philippines, for example. But it gave her the ability to develop a squad, some competition for places, but just to make sure that the style of play was completely inculcated. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do whenever they get the ball in possession and out of possession. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do as well. Absolutely, and that has been steadily um, improving and growing, as you say, over the last number of years since Vera came in. Um, her first game, I think, was Ukraine at home, where we we had a fantastic win. But then we went away to Greece and we only drew one all, and that was a significant factor as well. Probably it was not qualifying out that group or not finishing second. Um, as much as the defeat to, to Ukraine was away from home. But those type of, of, of mistakes, those type of results are not happening anymore. We have been steadily growing, we're steadily growing confidence. We've been playing A-listed teams. We've played Australia, we've played Denmark, we've played Iceland, we've played teams, you know, in the top 10, 15 in the world. And we've held our own. We've beaten some of them and maybe narrowly lost to, to some of them in the early days too. But as I mentioned earlier, we've 
we've now gone up in the rankings and that's, you know, you, know, you, know, you get points, your coefficient, that comes from the, the results that you're having in competitive games and in friendly games. So we've been getting those points for the results we've been getting. So we've improved our positioning, whereas the Finns have gone in the opposite direction. So, you know, that's a huge factor. And you're right, there's such competition all over the, the, the team now and all over the pitch. And if, if one player is not available, the next one that comes in knows exactly what's expected. And I, I was even trying to think of the team this morning myself. And, you know, while the certain players will, will be automatic on, on the team sheet, there's others then that it's touch and go, whether it's this player or that player. And that's what you want in a squad. Where would you play Katie McCabe? Where would I play Katie McCabe? Uh, it's an interesting question. I I always like Katie further up the pitch. Um, I, I think out and out left wing for me is where I'd play her. But look, I mean, she can she's she's shown she can play that defensive role and attack then come onto the ball where she's very effective. She can also play on the right side. I'm not sure if Vera's ever played her there. I think maybe in the early days she would have played there once or twice or even during a game she's comfortable at switching over and cutting in onto her left foot. Um, you could play Kate anywhere really you know she's such a strong player she's such a technical player um, and she gives you know she gives 150% for her country every time she puts on that green jersey and, and she inspires those around her to do the same There was a time when it kind of felt like we needed her to play centre midfield or number 10 and everything had to go through her but now we just have enough players that actually if she mm. does play a left wing back role that we can still run the game through her and she can be super yeah. effective but actually we also have other players who are capable of doing some of the things maybe not at exactly the same level as her and, and that's the evolution of the squad too yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, I mean, Katie is a fantastic player. and She's a world-class player. And that's something over the years, going back to previous campaigns in my time and in, in the, the time of managers before us, we didn't really have that world-class player who could turn a game. And other teams that we came up against, even, say, the likes of Wales, um, uh, the likes of Scotland. Scotland would have had Kim Little. Um, Wales, just the name is just escaping at the moment, but they had a world-class player at the time who's still playing uh, at the moment uh, towards the latter end of her career. But other teams that were maybe in and around us had that one player who could turn a game and Katie can do that but she's not the only one that can Denise O'Sullivan's a world-class player as mm. well um, and, and then you have other players that have been around for so long and Megan, Megan Connolly is, you know, has, has pulled it out of the bag for, on, on occasions as well she's a fantastic player as well and Heather Payne for me has been fantastic in this campaign and I, she's been absolutely unbelievable you know so all over the pitch we now have players who can turn a game for us if things are going are going wrong or our game is, is, is going the wrong way for us or things are getting tough you know and that's what you need um, and that's the fine margins that the, the good teams have when they need it if we, if we were to end up in the World Cup and you see like TG Carr showing games in the National League of late as well just how much of a boost would it be for something that is really still fledgling in this country Look, it's the catalyst in every country where a team has qualified for the World Cup. The women's national, the, the women's national team qualifying for a World Cup has really been the catalyst for the game in that country to really take off and go to the next level. Um, and that's something that we're just waiting for to happen here. Yes, there's been huge growth over the last 10, 15 years. Um, but I think a women's national team qualifying for finals, you're going to get everything then that will come in behind it. You get your broadcasting, uh, you know, your, your Irish team to be visible everywhere. And they, and they are quite visible at the moment, but they even be more visible, you know. But the inspiration that would give to the future players, you know, to young girls to play, the future referees of the game, future coaches. Probably government everywhere. money as well, like... 
government money as yeah. well, absolutely. And that's the vital thing. You know, I mean, the more successful you are, the more money you, you get, um, which when you think of it, you need the money to be successful in the first place. But that's just the way it works, you know. But look, that would be just the catalyst, I think, for the game here. And that would definitely push it onto the next level. Yeah, in a way, uh, like a, a lot of things that happen in Ireland, it's taken an outside force to propel that forward. Like if the Sky money and the Sky ads for Katie McCabe around town, like that has done more than anything that uh, the government have done for Irish women's football over the last while and it certainly has helped the FAI get their house in order and see that there's a massive market out there for it as well so you know sometimes these things do need a a propulsion a push no absolutely and you know when I used to work in the FAI the one thing that really uh, I thought it was fantastic but it frustrated me at the same time because we didn't have it in football was the the absolutely brilliant activation that Little did with the GAA uh, women's team and I just thought it was fantastic everything they did it was thought out properly, um, you know, and, and it really inspired so many players to play. It, it made such awareness of that game around the country. And it was just fantastic. And it was something that we didn't have at the time. We didn't have those standalone sponsors, but that's obviously all changed now. And fair play to the likes of Sky, uh, Ireland, Cadbury's for coming in and backing something that was on the, the, the grow, you know, it was growing, was on the right tra- trajectory and it was really helped propel it even further. Uh, like that that, that, so that little thing has been mentioned like so often. Like this is this mm. is a corporation that's making a lot of money who decided we're going to make an effort with this. Yeah. Uh, we're going yeah. to benefit, but we'll actually, you know, we're going to give something back. And I mean, as yeah. somebody who follows the League of Ireland, Sue, I'm like, where has this imagination been in the men's game for the last like yeah. thirty years? But it's like legal yeah. show. This can be done, and they. I mean, it was such a reciprocal arrangement as well, and it's actually been like a spawn for other things to happen in women's sport, I feel, anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, they did. They took a chance because there wasn't much specific um, sponsorship around women's sport in general, probably in the, at that time. And if you remember as well, they came out with a very, very controversial ad beginning to launch it. And I remember, you know, I've been looking at it and I'm sort of saying, what the hell is that? That's, you know, ruining our game. They had something about this bit of pink ball and they were calling it a lady ball or something. I can't remember, but it was just um, to try. It was like the hook to try yeah, to catch absolutely. everybody and get the attention. And it did. And it was just that was just. To, you know, um, a front for it as such, and once they got everybody hooked, then it's just gone in in the right direction. That's been up, and it's just been fantastic. You have to hand it to the people mm. behind the marketing team there. Yeah, hundred percent. Now you can see it happening with uh, the women's national football team too with Sky at the moment. Absolutely. So hopefully that has a knock-on sure. impact on the women's national for league sure. as well. Again, yeah, you, for sure. you sound confident of results. Give us your prediction. Yeah, I, I'm, I said 2-0 a few days ago and I, I, I sort of stick with I think we definitely went 2-0 or 2-1. I, I can't see us not winning this game. But look, you know, we, we have to get out there and do the job. I think the players will be well prepared. I think any, you know, difficult moments they'll get through with the, with the, with the crowd around them. But I, I predict a win for us tomorrow night. We would take that for sure. Sue, great stuff. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. Okay, take care, guys. Bye-bye. That's the former manager of the Ireland national team, Sue Ronan, giving us her thoughts on tomorrow night's game. Uh, the Koi Gig pod is back just in time during the ad break you're going to hear a clip from the latest episode ahead of Ireland's huge game tomorrow night alongside Cathy McNamee Karen Duggar and Emma Carroll the full episode is available across our podcast network and social channels the Koi Gig Pod on OTV Sports is in association with Cadbury FC official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team after the break we'll be turning our attention to rugby with our own SKG on South Africa's struggles we'll see you then OTB AM. It's 21 minutes past eight. Uh, we will be talking football a little bit later on. Another crushing defeat for Chelsea. Uh, we'll talk about that through the prism of the transfer window. Uh, tomorrow is the end of transfer deadline day. And Phil Egan's going to join us after nine o'clock. If you'd like 
to put any questions to Phil if you have any ideas about the transfer policy for your own team uh, 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number or you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream or you can tweet us at off the ball AM but at 21 one minutes past 8 this morning Stephen Kisby Green SKG joins us for another hit about what's going wrong hook this stuff to our veins here in Ireland South African rugby in crisis beaten by Australia how, how humiliating Stephen. is Southern Hemisphere rugby not in crisis in general like they're all just beating each other in Argentina like Argentina's suddenly very good in the last two weeks hmm? suddenly very good in the last two weeks yeah it's been great what's hmm. happened to Safa so? uh, well morning lads um, <laughs> I don't think it's a, first of all I don't think it's a crisis for the for Southern Hemisphere that every team is beating every team it actually kind of shows that there's a level of competitiveness there that you don't really get that you haven't really had for the past 10, 10 years or whatever it is when the All Blacks just dominated everything. Like, it's Apart from the World Cup, of course, which you guys <laughs> Apart won. from the World Cup. I mean, we, we, we're brushing past. Like, we, we know that the All Blacks are the most dominant team in, in, in world rugby history. South Africa legitimately are the second most dominant. They have the second, most winning, uh, second highest winning percentage. But um, for me, it's just it, it, there's a level of competitiveness there that there hasn't been for a long time. And I think it's... it's it's down to the fact that the All Blacks have not been as good as they previously were. South Africa seem to be struggling a bit at the moment with, with a lot of their with, with the way that they're they're going about things. It's I, we can get, probably get onto the game plan a little bit later, but I, I feel like the way that they're, that Nina was evolving the game plan hasn't really been bought into by the rest of the players, maybe, or they're not fully understanding the way he wants to change it. It's not this. It's not the typical um, South African up and unders and. Uh, we we jump for the ball, boring rugby that we played against the Lions. There is a bit of involvement. There is a bit of continuity there that you know I was trying to bring into the World Cup, and I don't think the squad has bought into that. So that kind of leads into to the Australia loss. Australia, on the other hand, played played the referee incredibly well on on Saturday. Um, I'm not saying that they did anything not, not untoward, but the way that so they they kind of did, to be fair. Well, I mean, what they, what they did was they got under the South African skin by pushing the boundaries. Very Richie McCaw-like tactics where they, they made sure to, to check that everything that they were doing was okay with the referee and the referee's okay with it then you play on. Yeah. And South Africa didn't, didn't cope with that well enough. So like, it's very well coached, very well drilled tactics from the Australians. It's a very nasty championship when it comes to everybody <laughs> bitching and whining about yeah. the referees and each other's tactics. It's fantastic. It is like, it is absolutely fantastic to watch this. Uh, Cheka winding up the All Blacks and the All Blacks taking every second of it. Now, I didn't realise that the Australians had done the same to South Africa. Bear in mind, Australia had shipped like six, seven tries the previous week to Argentina. They were like one from eight going into the game or something like that. They lost a lot of games. Massive injury crisis. Mm. And South Africa are supposed to be like uh, riding the crest of a wave, big, big deep panel, but also in a bit of a, a crisis, like having just been beaten by the worst All Blacks team ever, according to the All Blacks, certainly the All Blacks media. So what... What like what's your take on what's going on with this South African team? Is this just about them uh, cycling through a bunch of players a year out from a World Cup, happy in the knowledge that they have a winning formula if they need to fall back on it, and trying therefore to have a plan B? Because that's what it looks like in the macro terms: is that you've a genius coaching ticket, you've got a core of brilliant players who know exactly what it takes to win under pressure, and that they can fall back on that. But actually, it's better to try and. Uh, Guess that the the future won't be as successful if you stay the same. I, I mean, I don't think it's so much that they're trying to find a plan B as much as they're trying to evolve plan A into plan A plus. So, you, you can argue that the, the All Blacks uh, is made up of largely the similar similar sort of structures. They they're made up of a, of a bunch of brilliant players on on paper who 
have won World Cups. I mean, you've got some of the oldest forwards in world rugby currently playing for the All Blacks right now. Uh, you've got Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga. Like, it's a name. Of, it's, it's, a, it's a team of big names, and yet, as you rightfully point out, it's the worst All Blacks team in history because the, the like the the quality and classes there. But the way that they're gelling together, it's not automatically a coach's problem, but it's a. There seems to be a player problem as well. Like the attitude is not there now. To, to, say, to throw that onto South Africa, I'm not saying that South African attitude's not right, but there's the just having the players that have been there, done that, won the World Cup, and you know that they've got a winning quality and winning a winning um, uh, sort of structure there. Doesn't that automatically bring into the fact that it will automatically win you the World Cup if you rely on that and. I think at the moment it's more. Um, Ninaba is trying. Like, like, if you look at the way they played against Australia, they they held onto the ball a lot more, and they don't look comfortable with nearly as much possession as they had in the first half. They spent 20 minutes in that in, in of that first half in Australia's 22, and they didn't score a try. You can't do that at international level against any team. It doesn't matter who it is, but especially not against Australia in Australia, where they haven't won in. I actually don't even know what the what the. It was an appalling record. It was going back a like. Is it really? Yeah, it was was bizarrely. It was our talking about Williams Monday night. It's just been a long time. I can't remember the exact. I I think it's twenty twelve. I I mean, I could be very wrong there. We've even beaten them since then. Yeah. Uh, So okay, but is, is the whole point that if you're trying to evolve Plan A to A plus, whatever it is. That that takes time, and that that's what they're doing. Yeah, like uh, so that's okay. I mean, yeah. or is this a full blown crisis? Are, are your are your buddies in South Africa going right? New coach well, worked for us the last time. Well, the buddies in South Africa are um, going on complete and total tangents, blaming the referee, saying that they that, that um, Paul Williams uh, basically cost the the game, which is actually. Don't do not get me started on that one. Um, everything that the coaching structure does right is apparently Rossi Erasmus, and everything that is, goes wrong is Jacques Nienaber. He's a genius. Which R- Rossi is, is a genius. Which is odd, considering that Rossi is actually not involved in the day-to-day running of the Springboks. Do we believe that? Uh, you can believe it or not. It's actually factually correct. But is it really? When you say he's yes. not involved in the day-to-day running, like so, so, so what he does? They're is, best mates. They're good friends, and I'm, I guarantee you, Nienaber consults with Rossi on, on topics and, and on game plans and Rossi has a say in what is going on but at the end of the day it is Ninaba's game plan it is Jacques' uh, team Jacques and Sticks and um, the other guy uh, and uh, Dion Davids and uh, Felix Jones they all are the team that put together what goes out on the pitch Rossi shows up for um, uh, jersey presentations and he's there for maybe one training session a week. Go, the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he's it, still the boss. Theory, it, it, he's the big boss. Yeah, he's the boss. Everybody knows, oh, Razzie's in town. But, but then, better. does Razzie have the same uh, sort of power over the women's team? You would hope so. You would say so. And yet, uh, no, nobody's talking about the women's team uh, just beating Spain 44-5 uh, in the biggest ever win over, over a team that's bigger than them. So... It's. I think Rossi is more. The, he's legitimately more the overseer of everything right now because that is his role. And also, we're not, let's also not forget that he's been. He's still. Un, he's still acting out that ban. It's only in November that he's allowed to go back to say. Ah, okay. Well, we'll see exactly how what day today <laughs> stuff. Uh, so sorry, I didn't even realize that um, the ban was. I mean. Yeah, it was too. It's been such a such an important ban. That it's really had an impact on, on everything. Maybe maybe that's what maybe that's what's missing. And the day today stuff comes back in November, and then they, they go on a cascading unbeaten run for a year and win the World Cup again. I mean, potentially. But I also, as you say, I don't think Springboks are in crisis because 
as you rightfully point out, they're building this far out ahead of a World Cup. It, you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, Stephen, we, we know what you're doing there. <laughs> Matt, we, Matt Williams' we point was that uh, it's great that France are basically the you know the great team in the world at the moment because they play beautiful rugby. South Africa just replaced five big lads with five big lads when they need to and they're just brutes. And they're they're bad for the game. Exactly, he said. Like you know, the, the substitute situation shouldn't be such that you can just replace lads. You could, you, in the old days, you could only replace lads that were basically flagging and injured. And South Africa are kind of making the best of the rules, but it's not good for rugby. Well, I mean, if everyone played the exact same style of rugby, then rugby would be bloody boring. Mm. Or it might just be this amazing, uh, you know, have it, you, it could you, be cool. Have you seen Sevens? They all play the exact same well, style sevens of rugby is, and it's glorious. Sevens is, but, I don't know um, what the point of that was. Like, why did they invent that? No, but um, the, if, if you say that uh, South Africa are ruining rugby, as uh, people have said... Um, yeah, go on. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, no, no. We, we've said it, don't worry. Yeah, if you're saying that South Africa is ruining rugby, um, you kind of... Also putting the players players at a bit of a disadvantage as well. Because the way that Ninaba works with his bomb squad, as he calls it, is he puts out everything. He, he, he backs the tight three, or the front three in particular, to put everything out on the pitch. They effectively kill themselves on the pitch for 40 minutes, knowing full well that after the halftime, or just before halftime, or just after halftime, they will be replaced by another, t- another set of forwards that will do the exact same thing. Now, you can't do that if... If, if, if say you're Tyke Furlong who plays 70 minutes of, of, of a test match he can't go out in the first 40 and absolutely slaughter himself it's true give, give all, give all yeah. his energy because Farrell does not trust the man coming in behind him to well he's not as good well I mean, I mean like, like, he's not as good but like, you, you would think that he would be willing to trust that the next man up is going to come in to put a, an equal amount of impact if Furlong goes out and puts all of his energy into that first half guarantee he's going to get injured in the second half because he's going to be tired. He's going to be dead. He's going to be... Out it's anathema to the way the game has always been played here, I guess. You know, you, you play your best players until they're tired. Well, yeah, but like, just because... Of, but the, the, the thing, just because that's the way it's always been played does not always mean that it's, a, it's the right thing. No, in fairness, you guys are taking advantage of the fact that you have multiple players who are of similar standard and so therefore there's mm-hmm. no... Uh, diminution in quality when you replace them and uh, look we, we understand the rules of engagement that's fine you guys are bigger than us that's, we've got to be smarter look, that's, styles make fights exactly we are bringing knives to gunfights though sometimes it feels like who is the best team in the southern hemisphere right now though? Oh, South Africa by a mile no. is, it, is it though yes. like, or is it just a little bit of a on paper you would imagine like, if, if you look at each individual player on form I would legitimately say that South Africa are the best team in, in, in the southern hemisphere on, if you just pick out, pick out every single player, they have the best squad. If they played but, a competition that they all really cared about, that was like going to be the defining competition of their lives, mm. then South Africa would be smashing the other teams. Smashing. I, I do, smashing. I disagree with that. I, I don't want, that, that, that is just saying that. That is not me. Ten, ten points. They'd be ten-point favourites in all those games, and they'd win all those games. They would smash New Zealand for it. if it was a fight for their lives tomorrow, where okay. the World Cup trophy was being handed out at the end of it, or if it was a three-test series for like they, there's nothing else. It has to be the World Cup because that's the yeah. rugby championship happens every year, and they it yeah, used but, to just but, be but, the Tri Nations, and then it was four, and then they're like, oh, can we do other stuff? And it's just but South Africa genuinely care about the rugby championship because we we haven't won it nearly as much as we should have. So it's one of those competitions that. W- but then you've won the World Cup more than anybody else, and so therefore uh, tied, you know. Uh, fair enough but the, the, the next time will be the one where you break the tie uh, 
just very very briefly some of the specifics about the team you have had loads of injuries I would argue that having injuries around this time is great because it means that players are going to get high end experience but then everybody will be fit or back to form by the time the World Cup rolls around Yes, as of this morning, Andre Pollard and Lukanyama are both out for the rest of the championship. They've gone. They've actually gone back to their to their clubs. So Pollard's gone back to Leicester Tigers, and Arms back to the Sharks. Um, what, what that opens the door is up for for Damien Willemse, who's had no game time at ten uh, this season to uh, play his first ever game at, for the Springboks at ten, and he's been probably the most exciting player in the Springboks this, this year. Um, it was sort of came. It wasn't his debut season, obviously, um, but it, it was his breakout season. If nothing else, he came into to, to, to a very struggling um, South African attack against Wales in the second half and lit it up on fire, uh, helped them win the first test, and then um, he's been brilliant. He was brilliant against the All Blacks. And oh, where was he playing there? He was playing 15 and then slotted into 12 when All right. when Colby and Now he's going to play 10 this weekend. Yeah. So he, 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 um, Ninaba said when he when he brought him in that he wants to be the next Francois Stein who can play basically the utility utility back. You just wouldn't put him on the wings because he's just not quick enough. He's got the lightning feet, like the quick step, but he's just not quick enough to... to, to, to okay, so you're pretty excited about this. D- Damien Willems at 10 is, is incredibly exciting, especially considering that we have had no one to, to take the, the mantle of Pollard. We do actually have a bit of a similar situation to the Johnny, Johnny Sexton situation, where um, Elton Yankees is the Joey Carberry in this situation. He's got all the potential in the world, and he's shown brilliance at, at times, but everyone in the, everyone in the country seems to hate uh, whenever whenever Elton Yankees makes a mistake. He's always the worst thing. Um, with Pollard, whenever Pollard has a bad game, which he did against Australia, it's like okay, cool. Well, it's just the one blip, and yet those blips are becoming more and more frequent. Um, granted, he's not he's not as old as Sexton, but nobody's taking the jersey off of him. Okay. So with, if Willemsa comes in, has a phenomenal game, he could be the Kieran Frawley to to take over the mantle. Um, the other thing that worries me, though, is the fact that we've got De- Dion Ferri on the bench playing hooker. Now, Dion Ferri has not played hooker in three years. Uh, no, two, two years, sorry, two years. He hasn't started a game at hooker in three years, but he hasn't played, he hasn't played hooker in two years. And the idea is he wants to be, like, Ninaba wants Dion Ferri to be the next Skulk Brits, which in theory makes sense because Skulk Brits played a lot of eight and a lot of hooker for Saracens, and then he played eight and hooker for the Springboks in the World Cup in 2019. But this is mad stuff, isn't it? Like, <laughs> but the flaw in that plan, though, is Skulk was playing regularly at hooker for Saracens when they brought him in as a hooker. Okay, so who, who and who's Dion Ferry? He's, cl- he's a stormer. stormer. Right, so they can just tell so, the Stormers. Yeah, so, so you are see champions. Um, You're going to have to play him at two now for a while. Yeah. Uh, because jo- because the Joseph Dweber experiment didn't actually work out as well as we as we'd hoped, and uh, I mean, we uh, South Africa thought that he was going to be a lot better than. He but imagine if we could up. just stick a lad from the back row and, and play hooker. Like uh, <laughs> well, that I, level of flexibility <laughs> is something that's fairly sensational. Well, I mean, uh, Quacker Smith is is probably the most versatile player in the world. He can, he, I, I guarantee you, if you um, you can put him at hooker, you can put him at prop. He, he has played on the wing. He's played at centre, but he's one hundred percent a number seven. Right. We have a lot of people who are around that shape. We just need to here. Listen, I know, I know it's difficult. You got to stick your head in there, and it's not going to be very good for you. But you, you just have to do it for the team for the next while. Josh van der Fleer playing two, uh, you know, two the last fifteen minutes of the game. Is van der Fleer not too tall to play two? Well, I don't know. How, how tall is Furry? 
Uh, he's a, oh jeez, I think he's about five, five foot okay. seven, five foot eight. Okay, oh. okay, okay. Like he, he's not the tallest uh, loose forward in the world. Okay, um, people are wondering your jersey. Which which jersey? Which of your World Cup winning jerseys is this? Uh, this is two thousand and seven. So only the one, um, only the one. I need to add the other two dates onto this one. Uh, quite funnily enough, I found it a couple of weeks ago in my sort of suitcase when I came over. Um, this is actually the exact same jersey that I was wearing in 2007. So to show my age a little bit, I was 11. So it fitted you as an 11-year-old in 07, and it you fits. were quite precocious. I was, I was, I was rotund. I was round <laughs> back then, apparently. But uh, yeah, so I mean, but it, what what impressed me more about it is the fact that it's not too short. Like, I was a tall lad even back then. So, what age did you say you were? I was 11. That is Well, bad. actually turning 11, because the World Cup was... So you were 10? The World Cup was in August, and I'm born in November. So. You're now 20... 25? 25. And you're wearing, you're wearing a top that ostensibly fit you when you were 10. Yeah. And I did have a growth spurt between then. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 was just, I, I actually questioned whether or not this was, was actually my jersey, but my brothers both have their jerseys in, uh, in my parents' home. My, my dad still has his jersey, and we never got anyone else with any other jersey. So this is legitimately the only one that I've ever worn. You need worn. to see that image of you. Are you playing any said? club rugby in Dublin if anybody out there is looking for That was a serious question. I'm sure you could, um, you know... I'm sure there's plenty of clubs in the AAL who would be like, oh, just come down. Wanda Hooker who can you, play you, eight. You can play two, you can I play mean, eight. No problem. <laughs> Been on the wing. You, you, you used to play play front row. Now no. play play eight. <laughs> uh, so they're going to win this weekend. They've picked, so basically, they've massively improved the team by the changes they've made for this weekend. And you're very excited. And they're going to they're finally beat Australia. Is that what you're telling me? If they can be a little bit more penetrative in the 22 and actually convert the, the pressure into points, um, take the points when they're on offer and actually score a try or two, then I'd say yes. I mean, obviously, it's a typical. If they score more than the opposition, then they'll win, obviously. But I, I think with Kenan Moodley on, he'll, he'll be a fantastic addition to the, to the sort of um, attacking mindset. And if, if they can just get the ball into the hands of Kenan Moody, get let Jesse Creel play his type of attacking game plan. Sorry, well. we didn't even talk about him. He's this Wunderkind teenager who they've just added to the team who's like going to you know, blow up World Rugby next yeah. year in the World Cup. He so, was- sorry, this is a, a long answer saying yes, they're going to win. Uh, I'm hopeful of, yes. <laughs> okay. M- make, make it a four-point win. <laughs> All right, 8.39 this morning. SKG, thanks very much for that. The Premier League is back. We've teamed up with one of Europe's largest sports events, ticketing and hospitality company, Champions Travel, to give you the opportunity to win a €250 Euro Champions Travel voucher every day this week. They can be used on Premier League match trips as well as a host of other sporting events. Daily winners will also be entered into a grand prize draw where one lucky winner will win a trip from a selection of Premier League games with flights and two nights accommodation included. To enter, just tell us who this world-famous golfer is talking about the week that he filled in as co-host on OTBAM. Um, there was no days off. Granted, there were easier days than others. Uh, my leg didn't, didn't work that well that day. We did upper body, and uh, but we did something every single day. And uh... You can tweet us your guests on our main Twitter account, which is at Off The Ball. Now, Ireland uh, international Louise Quinn spoke to her own Ashling O'Reilly about manager Vera Powell's revelations last month and how the squad rallied around her. We're back with John Duggan after this. It feels like there's a real togetherness with, with the team. Um, I know that Vera Pau spoke out about rape allegations. Um, she spoke about the support that she got from the Irish people, how incredible it was as a team. Is it something that you have spoke about? Yeah, it's something now that, that Vera has been able to speak to us about and it's been something, again, that she's tried to protect us and kind of, you know, keep it out of the media. It was, you know, coming out towards the, the last, the Georgia game. Um and again, she put her personal life on hold to protect us. 
and to protect the team and for her to be able to do her job as a manager. And for me, it, you know, that speaks volumes about her and, and what we actually have as a, as a, as a team and as a squad, um, you know, players and staff and anyone who's kind of attached to us. Um, you know, and she's shown this bravery and strength that, yeah, you, you hope as, as people and as women that you don't want to have to face. Um, you know, and she's, she's done that. And so she's, yeah, we've, we've all been able to kind of chat for her now and, but straight away it was obviously yeah it was a massive shock for us and uh and very hard to kind of take on but again she just showed this composure and how to handle it well and straight away you know and there was no doubt about it the girls are there for on a you know a click of a finger you know what i mean we're there we're backing her she's our manager she's our leader Um yeah and so we've you know we've we've all been with her we still will be with her and for her it's just you know if she's and she's told us that she just, she's a better version of herself. She's still her, but she's, she feels even better now as on a personal level. Do you know what? Football aside, that's exactly what you want in, you know, the person that leading you out on the international stage. So personally, yeah, I can't, you know, you know what I mean? She's just, it's something else you want her as a, as a person to feel that freedom. Um, and now it's even that, you know, it's so open for us. You feel you can talk to her even more now. Do you know what I mean? Or if there's anything, and she's kind of really opened that door and that's, that's yeah, yeah. A different level. Yeah. I do think that when someone speaks about something like that, it's a very tough thing to speak about. But I'm sure players see that and if they've any problems or they've had any issues or anything like that, they're like, whoa, I feel like I could maybe speak to her about a certain situation. Could be totally different. Absolutely could be totally different. But uh, you might have this maybe closer bond in a way. Yeah, let's just say she's, you know, it's, it's it's up there to the highest level of openness and and being um yeah you know showing again that vulnerability to open up to to a nation um to herself to us as a team um yeah so it's now feels like that and anything is on the table to talk about and that's you know and that's even just about like who knows if it's fear for a game for anything that's happened around she's she's really opened that door and I think then as a group as well it's opened that door for us to just be like well yeah. you know look what she's done it's it's now it's now open you know access all areas for us to kind of even go to that next level of um you know team camaraderie and and, and how we talk to each other and the friendships in the team and the bonds in the team and um, yeah it's she's just ridiculously brave and it's yeah it, you know it makes it makes us proud and the amount of respect we have for her is, is gone higher so Louise Quinn speaking with Ashling in advance of the Finland game tomorrow now John Duggan is with us at 8.44 this morning John good morning to you Jer and Johnny how we doing well what's going on yeah interesting uh, 24 hours of the world hasn't it been uh, Mikhail Gorbachev passing away and Donald Trump probably banged to rights now if you look at the photos of what's uh, Mar-a-Lago what's on the floor there was a great Gorbachev documentary, actually, uh, in recent years. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to feel sorry for him. He came across as a very nice man mm. that tried to open up the Soviet Union, which was disintegrating at the time. Um, there's a really good book about that era in 1985 called The Spy and the Traitor, mm. about how the British got their biggest spy out of Moscow. It's written by a guy called Ben McIntyre, and it's like a gripping thriller. And he's still living in Britain, the, the, the biggest spy uh, against the KGB so this is the paranoia at the time but um, yeah opened it up and was seen as and, and, and is seen in, in Russia now as a traitor 
Yeah, don't, Whereas don't, he's seen in Germany as a hero. The Germans love him. Yeah, and I don't think he, um, as he passed away, I doubt he's delighted with modern day Russia, but no, this is what it is. Who would be? Um, seemed a good man. Like That was my feeling from him anyway, the, the almost impossible job in the end. Yeah. So uh, that's what's going on in the world. What's going on in the football pitch is that uh, Chelsea seem to be linked with somebody every 10 minutes. And I think Thomas Luke will be happy when this window's closed. Uh, because they suffered a, what, a second defeat in, away from home to Southampton last night. Great for Gavin Mazzuna to get him to be all, all his experience of, of really entertaining games. And Seemingly it, played well, JD. Yeah, and he has been playing well mm. in, in all the matches. No uh, surprise. Um, there was one goal against Leicester that he might feel that he might have done better on, but I think that he's, he's really started the season well. Uh, so it was a 2-1 win for Chelsea. Uh, Defeat for Chelsea, uh, Southampton winning 2-1 and Hassan Hoot will bring in a lot of young players into the team. Uh, Leeds and Everton won all and uh, that's probably a fair result well, from what we've seen last night that Everton still lack a cutting edge but Leeds um, couldn't break them down. I thought, Ever- I, thought Everton were, I thought Everton were definitely better last night. I thought yeah, they could have won Cody, the game. Tarkovsky, yeah. Onana coming into the team. Yeah, Onana's a good player um, um, and... Yeah, I just thought defensively they knew what they were doing. Could easily have nicked us. Right back was very good. Patterson is it? Patterson. Nathan Patterson. Patterson he was, yeah. didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Like he's he looks a really nice young player. Uh, could have gotten the winner. Um, good chance they keep Gordon at this stage. It's they're so going to keep Gordon. That's confirmed. Yeah. That's confirmed. Yeah, he's and Leeds will be okay as well. Like uh, oh, yeah, Sinister, Leeds, yeah. Sinister getting his first goal, and Jesse Marsh has got a bit of fight about him. Obviously, you know he's got a good structure to the team. You can see you can see already. So I think Leeds will be, will be okay. Um, Alexander Mitrovic, 100 Fulham goals now, 5-5. Five and five. I think they're going to be okay. They beat Brighton 2-1 last night, one all between Crystal Palace and Brentford, which is the match I watch because I really like Crystal Palace. They're a really exciting team to watch. Brentford are also an entertaining team. It is pretty amazing that every game is on. Like, Sorry, BT like, put like, it up like, last like, night, like, this is what's on. And I was just like, like I, I do definitely pine some some days for the days when it was like there was a game on at the and weekend. Watch and you watch it. Le- less is more to an extent. Like, it's kind of like, you know, the internet makes everything. The internet makes the um, ability to get information on anything so easy, you're less inclined to do it. Whereas <laughs> if you actually, back in the days when it was harder, you'd put an effort in. And now it's so easy, you don't even try. And there is too much football on the box, in my view. What do you think, JD? Oh, I love it. I, lo- I love being able to watch Crystal Palace Brentford rather than <laughs> having to watch Leeds Everton or having to watch um, Southampton. How about not being able to watch either of them and just having really appreciate when a game is on? No, I, I prefer to watch as much as I can because I think the more and more you watch, the more you get into the depths of the nuance of it. Um, but then it becomes almost like a TV experience where it's not like going to the game. I'll always try to go to games as well. Yeah. But I, I, I really feel that... I've, it's I, hard to get to Brentford of a Tuesday night when you've got work in Dublin on a Wednesday. Well, you Brentford. know, I, I do have supersonic travel. Um, it's, I just find that the more and more you're on top of it, the more and more uh, you form a really interesting opinion on things. Yeah. It's only like... like I'm, I'm really buzzed about watching Spurs this evening. I'm, I'm buzzed about... Like, I was doing the lineups last night. Mm. So, uh, But if I'd missed this week, I would really feel behind. Mm. So that's just the way I'm looking at it. If if they did a like a, a model where you had to, which I mean is a subscriber model, which I think the Glazers are thinking, oh my god, if this happened, how much money could we make? If you had to pay per view for the games, at least it would take away that because I, I I get the feeling that like if if I want to watch Liverpool now, the game is going to be on TV pretty much. It's going to be on something, and I I just I don't know. It just feels like 
there's too much t- football on TV. It's like a carousel that never ends. But if you, if you were living in the UK and you were somebody who went and loved the experience and you'd want full stadiums and you want more people to attend games, mm. I would couldn't understand the reason for that. But yeah. to have it here... Johnny's basically against uh, running water and electricity. He wants to go back to the bit. We, we didn't invent the wheel for like 10,000 years as, as humanity. Not a, not a great sense of our, of our brain power but I don't really, certainly I, for the days yeah. pre-fossil fuels I don't really want to go back to the 90s when I'm listening to Crackly 5 live and barely I don't know there, there's something this is again like you know oh, it was better in the communist Russia it was better in the exactly. Soviet days he's turning but, 40 but it, it kind of was wistful for it's like, there are a lot of people listening in I hope who are thinking yeah I kind of agree with you the, the change are you doing the pools every week still are you doing the pools yeah doing <laughs> the pools yeah there was there is an element of less is more though that, look, there is. During lockdown, there was too much football because mm. it was on every night. Now, at least, it's uh, you, you know that there are nights off. I, 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 uh, and also, um, the stadium's being full. It matters more. I, I, but, but, well, like, when we but, were but, on but, last but, Saturday... But the weekend, you know, you're not going to see much of the football. We'll watch the game here Saturday. You'll be end up doing other things. You might watch match of the day. You won't be... You're not going to sit down on Sunday and watch two games. Well, it was the two Saturdays ago, the, the Saturday lineup against like four games. It was absolutely terrible, the three o'clock lineups. Oh, so but like, yes, the last weekend it was sensational. This it was weekend, a sensational. Yeah, Saturday. it was eight games this weekend. Mm. Right. Anyway, anyway Chelsea sorry. beaten again. <laughs> this is like uh, the Chelsea being beaten again. I think this is interesting. I think like uh, Todd Bowley, loads of money, very involved, like personally involved. Edward in again? A lot of stuff. And how many, how many games can Tuchel lose before. He, he didn't win a Champions League for this owner. He won a Champions League for the previous owner. They're out of the title race, JD, basically. They've dropped eight points already. I think they're out of the top four. I think the top four is going to be the two North London clubs sitting Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that could well At be. At the moment. Case. Now, mm. we will see what squad strength. Well, Fafana sign, I think, will help yeah. a mm. lot. And yeah. Kante will come back. So I think that Chelsea are definitely built to go on a run. But yeah. I just They were very good against Spurs. Like, they should have won oh, no, that They should have won. They were very good. But it's the consistency. But they've been bad. Mm. They were, like, it just, maybe, maybe he hasn't had I enough time to work with these players. The, 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 co- the coaches, though, they couldn't get the plane to Leeds. And it all sort of derailed after that, even though the team actually got the private plane for the three-hour uh, train ride. Just all derailed after that. So look, yeah, it's interesting to see what will happen. I think Tuchel just needs to work with those players a bit more. Um, I, I would trust in Tuchel. Uh, great to see um, Andrew Omabamadeli scoring for Norwich last night. This is he just every every time he plays now. There's like glowing reports about Omabamadeli, and I think Stephen Kenny's gotten to go with the three young lads himself, Collins and O'Shea, and make this our way forward. Is then drop John Egan? I'd probably play. Yeah, probably would. I, I think they're, I think they're probably all very good on the ball. Egan would be very close. I, the Duffy, Duffy's going to struggle to get on that team. I he's think. not playing for Fulham. So. Yeah, and he's only Duffy's only thirty, I think. If the thir- thirty, yeah, yeah so. But Umbamadeli is, and I think it just shows like get a player playing regularly. First at championship level is everything. exactly like, and, like championship Steve, is very strong. Steve oh, Kenny right, has yeah. to be playing players who are playing first team football. Mm. And there are a lot of players at the moment in the championship doing that. Yeah, and I think what's exciting is that you'll have centre-backs for Ireland who are very, very willing to play with the ball and to run with the ball, and that's something we won't have seen before. Possibly all three of them. Yeah, and, and the goalkeeper as well. Uh, tonight, like, really good games tonight, like Newcastle going to Liverpool. The state of game tonight, game. The state of game tonight is, uh, is really excellent because, uh, you know, Steven Gerrard might get spanked tonight. Arsenal could easily spank Villa tonight. And the pressure will then, because there already has been a sacking, the dam burst is so important in uh, in influencing owners uh, in going, right, somebody else has done it, so therefore we need to do it too, because that 
the the stakes have been ratcheted up. Like, like honestly, I was looking at the betting for the next manager to go. Like Parker wasn't even in the top. No, six, Rod- Rogers was odds on. Rogers, was, Rogers, yeah. and I was thinking it's, it's going to probably be Gerrard, maybe because their next two games are Arsenal City. and City. City, and they're going to lose tonight, one hundred percent. They don't look like they know what they're doing. Really attacking, attacking wise. The game that intrigues me is Newcastle Liverpool. I think there's a massive challenge for Liverpool. Haven't been convinced yeah. them at all, and a real open. But just forget team. about the other day. Like forget about the other day. Forget about the other day. New challenge. Well, it's a max man play, might not. Um, West Ham t- taking on Tottenham. Uh, I think Richarlison will definitely play tonight. Uh, Ahead of Son. Yeah, yeah, and he should. Uh, Erlen Haaland might be rested by Man City against Nottingham Forest. And Wolves uh, going to Bournemouth. So, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant stuff tonight. Brilliant stuff tonight. Uh, Keith Long parting ways at Bohemians, nearly eight years. Um, second longest serving manager at the club behind Billy Young. Wow. Uh, uh, so they're hosting Chamac Rovers on Friday night. A uh, load of tennis exits to the women's singles. Emma Raducanu's gone. Elisa Corney beat her in straight sets. Uh, Elena Ribakina, the Wimbledon champion, out, defeated in the first round by uh, Clara Burrell. Naomi Osaka losing to Daniel Collins. Rafa Nadal, though, threw beat Rinky uh, Hijikata. And Cam Smith got $100 million, apparently, for going to live. And did he say he was uh, desperate to grow the game? And No, he said, he said the money was a factor. He actually admitted that eventually. But it was always said, you'd hear it from me, but we heard it through a Golf Digest interview, so it wasn't actually on camera or video or anything like that. Um, funny enough, Greg Chalmers, who's our journeyman Australian pro, says he might be the top-ranked player, might have a chance to be the top-ranked Aussie on the tour, because Mark Leishman's also defected. And sadly, Wacken Neiman has defected, 23 yeah. years of age. Gen- generally one of the most, genuinely one of the most depressing sporting um, things that's ever happened, in my view. It's so grim. There's lots, there's lots of them. It's a, it's just a, it's a part of a pattern, though. It is part of a pattern. It is. I mean, it's happening in racing, and nobody says anything about it. They have a twenty million race in Saudi Arabia. Nobody talks about it. And we send horses over I, there. I, I it's think not, I, not, I, not, not dissimilar. I think the difference with all this, though, is you could have a boxing match or a race in Saudi Arabia or a Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia. This is a different thing. This is a hostile takeover by a regime, a, a nation state of a sport, and fracturing a sport. So you'll only have a maximum four times a year now the best players playing in the world against each other. That's the issue. It's a geopolitical thing. At the, at the Bedminster course where they had the last live event, it was a Trump rally. That's the thing about the MBS and the Saudis. It's much bigger than just golf. And they, they, they've hijacked the sport. Last Come question, on, let's, let's get the points tonight. Bobby Dwyer wants to know, hey Bobby, has John Books' his Champions League away day yet? Uh, Jack Pitbrook is the Spurs correspondent of The Athletic, so uh, I'm a bit of a n- nobody in that I'm always flicking on Twitter. Um, so Jack Pitbrook on Saturday morning uh, put out the fixtures before anybody else, and I booked my flight to Frankfurt five minutes later for 100 quid. Very nice. On, in October, and uh, booked my hotel, and I uh, rang my nephew yesterday, a season ticket holder, can you sort us for a ticket? So, Sorry, I, just, just on that, right, so if you're, how many people would actually be going from Ireland to Frankfurt for a Spurs game? Would, uh, would the price have gone up much? I haven't checked the prices since. Mm. Um, maybe, you know. Uh, yeah, you're you're probably 150, 200 maybe. That's enough, yeah. that fills the plane, you know, and uh, the price travels. You, you, you would be amazed every single, like, I mean, I've gone to Spurs matches on Sundays, you'd be amazed at the amount of people going mm. from this country, West Ham, I know West Ham Spurs, I went to Villa Spurs like last season Man, the amount of fans of both clubs Leeds is the one that intrigues me because um, like especially in racing the amount of people I, I'm on about turning 40 the amount of people give or take 50 early 50s who are big Leeds fans is 
it just reminds you that was the, that was the time and older yeah and older yeah 8.55 this morning John thanks very much for that one from John on Saturday afternoon and off the ball on News Talk from 1 o'clock and of course you can hear him on News Talk Breakfast every morning as well OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we're joined in the line now by me, Jenny Rispin, to talk about Eamon Murray's amazing legacy following his a bit of a surprise departure, really, as the Mead women's football manager. Jenny, good morning. How are you getting on? All good. How are you getting on? When did you guys find out about this? Yeah, I suppose the news broke over the weekend. Um, there was, I suppose, rumblings over the last few weeks. Will he or won't he? Um, I suppose especially since the news of, of Paul Garrigan uh, and his team uh, moving on as well. So there was um, a lot of questions in the air probably need to be stifled either way but uh you know so look, it's it's uh, shook me, me ladies football over the weekend but um look for some it's not too surprising uh and for others you know probably comes as a bit of a shock from outside the county he'd signaled it a little bit in the build-up and and certainly had spoken about how this was the end of this backroom team in particular because we, we kind of knew that some members were stepping away and obviously with uh some of the team heading down to australia there was a sense that this was definitely going to be the end of an era but given how uh, central he'd been to the whole thing there was maybe a hope that he might have stayed on to try and, and oversee the rebuilding yeah it almost feels strange to say it's an end of an era and in some ways you feel like it's only things are only kicking off um, so it feels unusual to say that but at the same time yeah if, if you're on the inside you, you'll see that it's been a long journey um, yeah I'd say you know maybe Eamon had hoped to stay on I mean look he's a passionate mead GM uh, football man and you know, he wouldn't want to have, have, have moved on, you know, unless, you know, the, the things weren't right around him. Um, and he'd want to build a team that, uh, you know, would, 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 would move, you know, would get me, uh, me ladies, you know, forward again in the future. So look, I'd say that, you know, things, I'm sure he's been thinking about it a long time. Um, and, you know, said so maybe he just didn't get the, the things fall into place around him. Like it's, it's mad. Just in Dublin and Meath, like was, what are we talking? Like literally, uh, about a year ago, give or take, Dublin and Mead, and that's when he exploded on at the national scene in terms of where this Mead team was. It, and it's it's actually just come and gone, just like that. Two wins, bang bang, and like that's what it feels like from the outside looking in. Yeah, it's true. Like that's the thing in the space of a year. You know, it was only last September. It's only uh, eleven months ago, basically, give or take. Like, <coughs> sorry, and it's, it's literally like not even a year ago when when that like yeah. when the, and and what, like you know. The expectation was Dublin were going to win that game. Now all of a sudden, me they're like one of the best teams we've ever seen, and he's gone. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's, it's literally been a whirlwind year. You know, Mead were out, out uh, outsiders that time. If they'd lost that final, you know, you'd wonder uh, what would have happened. Uh, it could have been a very different face of, of ladies football across the country. Um, but me didn't. Mead won that year, and in the space of a year, you know, winning two All Irelands back to back. You know, uh, National League, uh, Eamon Murray and all these Mead ladies players was, uh, are on everyone's lips. And all of a sudden, just like that, you know, for, for, for um, on the face of it, that he's moving on. But as I said, look, this is a long, a long process for, for Eamon. Um, you know, uh, so that even, uh, you know, going, going back over the years, uh, he's a long time with the underage setup. Um, and look, when, when players start stepping away and, you know, Eamon, uh, you know, Paul Gargan would have meant a lot to him as well. And, and Paul's a long time on the road with him there. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm sure that when Paul decided to step away, that you know maybe it was time for Eamon to step away to, you know, where where do you start rebuilding this me team? Um, you know, getting people around you at the, at the top to start of all, but also like you know, going on the, the hunt for new players as well. It, that's the thing. It's, it's like it's very very difficult when you look at the players you're losing and to like to, to, for the players to maintain that commitment as much as it's a Mead. This Mead thing is is so fresh and so young. 
for the the inter county commitment is so insane to to maintain that hunger. Um, like, is it a question of right? I'm going out at the top here. It doesn't get better than this, or is it just like this is too much of an effort to go back in another year and almost start a little bit afresh? Yeah, there's probably a bit of both. Um, you know, it, it, as I said, like there's a lot of girls as well with a lot of miles in, in their legs as well. Um, that are looking for a change, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of young players biting to get onto that team. And I've no doubt that Eamon, you know, he would stick it out if, if he thought, um, you know, things were right. But look, Eamon, you know, it's probably, it's probably right that, you know, to pass it on to somebody else. It's probably the right time. You know, you kind of have, it'd be hard for somebody to come in as a new coach under Eamon to try and, you know, build off what's already been done. And, you know, at the same time, there's no doubting Eamon uh, as a manager, you know, it, it, everything else has to be right around it. And I, I would find it possibly quite hard to, to do that. So do you think there was anything that the county board could have done to convince him to stay? Um, ah, look, Eamon is his own man. You know, he, he makes up his mind to do something and he'll do it. Um, you know, he, t- he needed convincing to do it in the first place. You know, I was surprised he kind of took on an adult role or a senior team, uh, especially at the time five years ago. But, th- you know, thinking back, he, he was the only man for the job. Um, but I, so I suppose, you know, he, when you have to respect his wishes um, and I said everything has to be right around him. And, you know, um, uh, you know, there's probably an element of, yeah, going on his own terms as well uh, is important for any manager. Um, well, I, maybe there's a point of out at the top now and uh, hand it over to somebody else when, when it's in such a good place. Um, what is the, the scene like in terms of the next crop of players who might be able to replace the, the players who've gone off to the AFLW? Yeah, I think there's, you know, look, Mead have never been short of good footballers before. Um, and I suppose the hardest thing in the past is probably convincing them to, to give that commitment and, you know, that there's a hope of something at the end of it. So I think that's, uh, you know, the hard part done now for, for a lot of players is, um, you know, uh, the, the beauty of what, what probably what's going on the last few years is probably having an extended training panel. And, you know, there's, there's been work being done in the background there with that. And I'm sure there's a lot of players ready to step up. Um, you know, that probably haven't got as much game time as they'd like. You know, there's a very settled team there the last couple of years. But uh, look, I, I, I've known a few players in the background there. Um, and so been involved with the minor, the minor team this year. There is uh, plenty of talent coming through. So, you know, and Eamon would know that and, and any manager coming in would know that um, and that there's that talent will be worked with there. And, and you know, to throw in there, the, there's still a lot of faces there uh, left um, from last year's team. Yeah, who now have the experience of coming up and winning multiple All-Irelands at the different levels. So they'll be a seasoned team and if you can just add in a little bit of extra then there's no doubt that they're going to be competitive next year. Have you seen a specific increase in the number of kids playing as a result of the success of the county team? Oh, absolutely, no doubt. I think our registration numbers in the ladies' side have gone through the roof. But I would even say, like, I, I work with the GA here in Mead and in coaching and games, and it has just given everything such a lift. It certainly makes our job easier uh, when there's such an interest in ladies' football um, from both sides, you know, male and female. And, um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the Brendan Martin Cup is, is already doing the rounds around the county. You know, any opportunity to promote it um, has been used as well by clubs, you know, um, either side of it. So, um, yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, and it's even more visual than before, you know, uh, like, you know, the key pack, and we see the key pack jersey is, um, 
you know, said flying out the shops, you can see every kid going around with the meat jerseys on. Bit of nostalgia in that as well, like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, said we all, like, growing up in mead, you know, it was, it was a treasured item. It was a mead key pack jersey. And, you know, it's, it, you're back to those days now. And it's, you know, it's so refreshing to see. It, it, it really does mean a lot as anyone in the GA that, that kids are going around and showing off their jersey with pride. But it's male or female. Um, and I think that's you know sort of, you know as a visual it's, it's massive for the game here. I I had the uh, the um, joy or otherwise watching uh, the odd goalie Roscommon hurling game in that league opposite the Key Pack Factory, and I tell you that was an absolute experience now of uh, watching a hurling game in those circumstances. <laughs> One thing that Eamon said though, Jenny, I and Vicky Wall disagreed with it clearly after the final against Kerry. I totally disagreed with them, and I don't know like did this open up. Um, a debate in the games about physicality and the refereeing and that because Eamon's point maybe he's kind of looking at it from the side of the men's game which is kind of I don't know it has its issues but the physicality thing for me Vicky's obviously been an exponent of that side of the game it's made it far better I think the players themselves want a more kind of um, liberal interpretation of the rules but Eamon seemed to be of the more sort of traditional mindset no that'll ruin the game and it'll maybe stop parents from getting their kids to play what's what's the narrative around that now? Yeah, I think I think the issue. Well, look, first of all, there's more and more people watching the game now and, and having opinions on it, which is probably a lot of uh, what's coming from. There's obviously more spotlight on it as well. Um, I wouldn't say the rules have changed massively, but probably the interpretation of it. Mm. Um, and I just say, yeah, the, the peak, the conditioning of players now. You know, so it's bringing all that into question. Um, uh, I'd probably be leaning towards aim inside. I don't see a need to open up the rules to allow more physicality. I think it's the interpretation uh, and the use of it by probably referees that needs to be just looked at. And, you know, there's, there's just this grey area of, I think there'll be, the, you know, so the, the, the charge and, and, and interpretation of that rule. So I think, you know, and not to put the pressure on the referees, the referees maybe need to have a discussion with the top table as to how they're going to interpret the rules rather than changing the rules to allow more physicality. I don't think there's a need for it. I think, um, you know, we have a great game as it is. Um, and, you know, there is an element of, you know, we have to protect players as well. That's, you know, there's, there's variations in, in uh, size and ability and, and conditioning as well, even down to grassroots level. So. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you, I might have kind of experienced myself slightly wrong there. So do you, do you think maybe if the referees sort of have, they just get together and kind of come up with a... Uh, something of a this is the bible that we work off here in terms of this is how we try to implement the rules as opposed to kind of change the rules effectively uh, possibly yeah look I, I said I'm not inside of that side of things but um, I know they would get some guidance as to how to interpret the rules so um, yeah I, I would imagine you know so that they'd have a common language that they want to use as well because look you see the start of every year you know you'll have a referee maybe coming in to talk to teams and um, explain if there is anything, any issues that they'll be focusing on, and um, any things that they'll be looking out for, and how they would interpret, the, you know, and how they would referee the game. Um, so you would have that aspect from from certain referees, you know, at the start of game or before the game starts. So um, look, I, I know there's a lot of discussion around it. Um, I, I, you know, when you look at Vicky, it'll be interesting to see if she gets on in, in Australia. Um, but you know, for me personally, I think you know the rules are fine, but it's, it's how they're interpreted. And, and look. Uh, a lot of snapshots there with referee has to make a split decision and it doesn't look good on, on, on the replay, uh, replay but um, 
yeah, for me, for me, I'd be uh, more leaning towards uh, Eamon's um, ideas. I have one last question for you, Jenny. Um, Vicky Wall is, is arguably the biggest star who has gone as a senior to Australia. You know, you could argue that some of the young males who went over were very heralded and obviously the David Clifford had been talked about but what happened when David Clifford was talked about was that the Kerry County Board put together a package that they literally produced a document that was to try and entice their young players to stay did the GEA community in Ireland do enough to make sure that Vicky Wall like the most marketable star in women's football wasn't allowed to go to Australia because apparently she's had a, a great start and that aggressive side to her game which she really loves is something that they're like oh yeah we love this you know like did we miss a trick there Ah, uh, look, I'm going to be honest, you know, somebody trying to promote the GA here, um, and particularly ladies football, it's, it's devastating to see it uh, from that point of view that, you know, our biggest stars, the game is really at a peak audience now in terms of uh, marketing and, and um, viewership and people interested in the game. Um, you know, whereas you look in Australia, it's, it's still very much in its infancy and starting out. Um, but okay, I, yeah, was there enough done? There can never be enough, you know, to, you, you need to, I think the GA as a whole need to look at it, in particular LGFA, um, you know, Vicky did, like it's a top of her game, um, most talked about player in Ireland, uh, possibly could have, you know, but... What do you do? From, yeah, that's it, like what, what do you do? You know, What do Kerry do? They put together a package, you know, they, they, well, Kerry put together a package that obviously were like, if you stay here, we'll be able to help you with your education, we'll be able to help you with other stuff, like there's enough corporations who are interested and who benefit from the women's game having a superstar in it I just think that like yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we should be having an honest conversation about this there, there needs to be some financial imperative for people to stay to play the women's game in particular because it's so important now that it reaches a level that it continues to grow you're seeing it in knock on numbers in both the men's and women's sport it's like a massive shop window they could also push the women's game back to be the only intercounty game in August and September and what a shop window that'd be everybody's crying out for inter-county games to go to like I just feel like that's grand the money that they're getting in Australia is not huge like it's not there is the Australian appeal obviously as well yeah sure the lifestyle thing but like you know, Ireland's not bad, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Jenny? I, I completely, you look, I completely agree. I, I think we do need to do something more to, to keep our star players here. As I said, so much has gone into uh, promoting LGFA. And then, you know, we've obviously the, the GPA as well, getting on board and trying to, um, you know, give a bit more to, to our players and, and, you know, to add that little bit extra. But um, look, again, I don't know because it's a, there is that kind of appeal of Australia at the other side of the world and this whole experience that you're not going to get here and I get that, um, but that wasn't enough to get Clifford. You know, the, the women's yeah, Clifford has gone. There, it's also true. true. Like we we spoke about like Lidl and its involvement in Sky. Like Vicky Wall, just for, just for argument's sake, Vicky Wall is worth an awful lot as a marketing tool, it, massively. Like it's point. an iconic image. It's like this is where the game is going. Everyone can relate to her, whether you're even watching or not, and it's it's gone. Yeah, like it's incredible. Like I think I've seen even the milk carton there with Vicky on it. Like it's it's actually unbelievable um, the people she has. So I don't know. Listen, is there somebody out there that can put a package together for these players? I, I think it's something the LGFA will need to really look at in in the next couple of years and the and the GPA. Uh, they can't continue to hemorrhage players like they have done. You know, really at our probably at our peak appeal. Uh, for the game, you know, where we've broken all the attendance records and um, viewership records, you're looking at it all now and you're really at the top of it. Um, and I think, you know, like someone like Vicky, um, 
you know, and, and there's, there's more to it than that. It's more than Vicky, but um, yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I don't know. I think it might need to bring a few, um, you know, partnerships together and, and, and sit down and, and trash it out. Maybe look at what Kerry have done. I said, I'm not kind of really familiar what they've put together, but um, look, I know there's, 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 it's still very early days. I know it's been, you know, ladies football has been thrust into the spotlight in the last couple of years, but we're still, you know, off the pace of, of where the men are at. And I think, you know, the LGFA are doing a lot of work to, to get us up there. All right, Jenny, we'll leave it there. Good stuff. Thanks a million. Thank you very much. It's Jenny Risman giving us some thoughts on the situation in me. The Zayman Murray steps down and obviously they've lost their best player as well. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, here's what's on OTB Sports Radio for you today. Uh, OTB Gold is Harry Edwards talking about the OJ Simpson documentary. Uh, Marie Horahan, Horahan rather, is on Koi Gig today. Uh, our retro panel is called Keeping a Level Head. And Catherine Switzer is OTB Gold at six. You can follow OTB across the social channel and subscribe to our YouTube. We're back after the break. It's Deal or No Deal with Phil Egan. I signed for them after the Euros. And after my first day's training, I was driving home. I was actually thinking, regretting it. What have I done? I've like walked into a circus. It's amazing, isn't it? Just deal or no deal? Keith Andrews there in the uh, the little build up. There will be links between some of this Irish team management team again and another job, which is a bowls job. I definitely think that. Be it like I think Stephen Rice will definitely be mentioned. Um, maybe Jim Crawford. Uh, I don't know what his situation is, but this is an attractive job, and League of Ireland jobs don't come around very often, particularly not a job in Dublin with a big club. Sure, but are the Ireland jobs at the moment not more attractive considering the quality of player that are coming through? It depends on your. It depends on the level of the job, I think. For Rice, there's obviously that that, that job that has been, well, there have been maybe two people in it already, um, certainly Rory Higgins. There's a lot of travelling involved. See, Rice is a young kid, for example. Um, and the League of Ireland is going places. Damien Duff's in the paper. He's the Shells manager. Um, you know, Sean Rovers are in the group stage of Europe. It's it's in your own city. I, it'll definitely appeal to... Uh, and there'll be, like, even okay. a mad suggestion. Michael O'Neill, after leaving Stoke, would he be in the run and come back to Ireland? Probably too big for him, but... He's, he's going to be the Northern Ireland manager in a few months, probably. There's that as well. That's probably a mad <laughs> one, but it'll be... It'll, it's a really interesting one to see who gets that job, because it's, it's a big job, and League of Ireland jobs are a lot more attractive than they used to be. Deal or no deal? There you go. Uh, Brazilian reporter Matheus Leal is reporting that Liverpool have made a £20 million sterling bid for Aston Villa midfielder Douglas Luiz, Phil. Deal, deal or no deal? Uh, deal or no deal? It was like a food show there for a minute. Well, That's your fish this morning. I think Liverpool need midfielders and I, I'm going to be surprised if they if they sign one because just listen. Why would you be surprised? That? Is Liverpool, that Liverpool need midfielders? I'd be surprised. Is this like Wenger needed a goalkeeper, needed a centre back, refused point blank to sign one? Well, the Klopp sees himself as a manager with midfielders, but the problem at the moment is they're injured. And I know they will recover from injury, but some of those players will get injured again because that is their track record. Thiago is obviously an incredibly talented and technically gifted midfielder, but we've talked about this before. He tends to miss a third of the season in the Premier League. So it's like having this fancy car you look into the garage and you can see it but someone tells you you can't drive it so you need players that are durable and when it was clear that Gino Wijnaldum was probably not going to sign a contract you were kind of thinking right you need to fill that gap there and even though he wasn't great in his last season he was always available you knew exactly what you were going to get from him 
Whereas now with Liverpool's midfield, certain players pick up knocks and there's obviously... Klopp needs to be allowed to count a little bit on this because in the Man United game they started with Harvey Elliott who's a brilliant uh, prospect and he's already a great footballer but Henderson and Milner yeah. they're midfield so you haven't signed players and at this stage they're already sort of fading out of the title race in they gave Henderson a lot of money Henderson is probably slightly on the way and Miller's what 36 you should not be starting in your what was it the third game of the season with that midfield and they were obviously they still had a lot of the ball but they lost the game and deservedly lost the game yeah well Fabinho was on the bench and he hadn't had a good game against Crystal Palace previously but with that midfield at Old Trafford for example there was no control in it no now Liverpool when they were in had their best spells under Klopp not didn't necessarily have great control in midfield but what they did is they got you the ball tempo. back straight away with tempo and because your attack was so good there was space for your attackers to exploit the fences that were caught in the hop because they would coughed up possession because yeah. Liverpool's midfield was so good at getting it back it's not as good at, at retrieving the ball as it used to be um, so they need to inject more energy into that do they have the players at the club at the moment who can do that like did did some penny drop during the nine nil or was do we no, need to ignore no, that? No, 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 no. I just think they were. I, I think it helped against Bournemouth that they scored early. I think Liverpool are. They, There's got to be a TAA. There's still this debate. We had it on the show on Saturday. There has to be a debate about playing them in the hole midfield role. At least give it a go. Well, you sacrifice too much right I mean, back. If you if you have a hole midfielder. Your holding midfielder needs to spot danger. Yes, yeah, so he's not a holding midfielder. You play him in the James Milner, like as one of those three, but not as a not as a six. Yeah, but he drifts into those areas anyway. So I, I don't think the the Trent okay. Alexander. I, I think You're saying no to Douglas Louise, are you? I actually think he would be. He, he's quite a durable player, and he would be available. Um, <laughs> but and no. you need you need cover <laughs> because. Virgil van Dijk said something interesting after the, the Bournemouth game where he was asked about midfield and he said we need midfielders now he wasn't necessarily saying that they need to sign midfielders but he basically said that the engine room is obviously the midfield and you know there's a lot of games well I need some help I don't need my 36 year old coming around screaming at me what was, what was he doing uh, sliding in put your hands out uh, what, was he, yeah. what was Milner doing? Uh, he's 36. Well, he's like, his sliding tackle was coming from 15 mm. yards where everybody could see, oh, I'm just going to swivel my hips here and that guy's gone. TAA wasn't the May West in it either. No, there was... But anyway. I think as well, like one of the other options yes could have no? been, <laughs> would he play two in midfield, like a 4-2-3-1? And Klopp was asked about that after the United game and he said, well, basically I couldn't do that because I didn't have enough attackers to play... <laughs> So first world problems. It's okay. Uh, so no, I, no to Louise. Yeah, I, no I, deal. I just I don't know if they're going to sign a midfielder. And I think it, the other team who were linked with, uh, sorry, Douglas Louise, by the way, were Atletico Madrid. So uh, Atletico Madrid, very good at recruitment. Liverpool, very good at recruitment. Steven Gerrard, you're on my bench. I don't want you. I don't need you to Douglas Louise. <laughs> what? Is, what? Like, is it? What? Yeah. Well, I think. Um, could be another tough night for Villa tonight at the Emirates. I think it will against be. the league leaders. I was it was striking when we had the Villa uh, chats on Monday night. Got massive hits. Villa, it's a massive club. Yeah, like you, you, you'd you'd forget because they were out of the league for so long. Villa, like I was being nice to Owen on his last day. He was like, I haven't heard a bigger club than Villa. I was like, okay, Owen, okay, you're leaving. That's yeah, fine. all the best. 
Uh, Cardiff City are in talks at West Brom about signing Callum Robinson, according to Sky Sports News this morning. Robinson has made four appearances for West Brom this season, all from the bench. He's had that um, slightly patronising Steve Bruce. Yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's a very good player. Really like him. Not picking him. Uh, he wasn't in the squad for last night's draw. Wigan, he's 27. Is this be a good move? He needs to play. Um, things were going well from at West Brom until Steve Bruce arrived. And I think a lot of West Brom fans were saying things weren't that bad until Steve Bruce arrived. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's about getting game time because if he wants to be in Stephen Kennedy's plans, he has to play. Big time. So, like, Cardiff, it's, it's still championship. You've got to look at a team. Are they going to get the best out of you? Are, are they suited to the way you want to play? There's no point in joining a club if uh, you're playing in a team where they're lumping the ball at you. I mean, he's a good technical footballer. So, when I saw that Steve Bruce was taking over at West Brom, I thought that's probably not great for Callum Robinson. It's been good for Darrell Shea, in fairness. Right, none to say about that? Um, uh, just what he, what Phil says, he desperately needs game time and uh, bit of confidence. It's a bit of confidence because yeah. Ireland are suddenly not too badly served up top, and Robinson, who was the starting striker, isn't anymore. For and it's far from sure of his place actually, unless he's playing football. Yeah, I think I don't know. I can see him getting picked. He he, he gets picked when he's fit. Generally. For Ireland, yeah. I, I I think it'd be interesting to see what Stephen Kenny says, but you, you can't necessarily be picking strikers. The manager uh, likes him though. He, li- he does like him, but if he's not playing, well, sorry, he, yeah. if he gets this move, he's gonna. He's, we would assume he's gonna play in Cardiff. At least, but like Parrot's playing week to week. Um, Obafemi's playing week to week. Eda's Eda's Parrot's back fit. Not scoring in the league. He's not scoring. Well, Preston aren't scoring at all. Yeah. Um, but he's apparently his metrics are good. Otherwise, his right. uh, KPIs, apart from the fact that he's there, yeah. which right. to score. Mario Balotelli. Oh. Why always me? FC Sion in Switzerland. Yeah, well done, yeah. Uh, so he's joined there, uh, and that is it. There you go. Mario still going. He could end up Super Mario, Mario, couldn't he? He could get the both job. He, he good for the good for the brand. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be good for the club, but no. yeah. Uh, RB Leipzig managing director Oliver Minzlaff has once again ruled out selling Josko Gvardiol. Have we got this correct? How's your Croatian? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, I was in Croatia there last week. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, they've they've a few decent. Oh yeah, great, great country. Love, I go there a lot. But um, you get your uh, pronunciation right well over there. On what's his name? Josko Gvardiol. Josko. Josko. Yeah. Josko. Josko Gvardiol is twenty. He is an absolute beast of a a twenty-year-old. And once again, Leipzig are. Producing these young centre halves, we've obviously seen Canate go to Liverpool, Upamecano to to Bayern. So he looks like the next one. But yeah, the the talk is that Chelsea would maybe agree a deal, but it won't happen until next summer. But looking at them last night, they were bad. Um, they miss Reese James. The game well, Reece James was out. Yeah, they were, okay. the game was lost in the tunnel when Aspilicueta is getting outsmarted by the ball boy from Southampton. You were I waiting to see that one. Yeah. yeah, he got done with the put your hand out and <laughs> he's, he's got him like and you know uh, you can't be doing that. No, like if you're asked for the credit, you're, yeah, you're eight. You can totally do that. With ah, like he's he's probably an internet sensation. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't do that. It's just it's not it's unmannerly. Well, Asperquera was mannerly enough to you know he lost the battle though. People would say that's karma for what happened with Chelsea and Swansea and the ball boy. 
<laughs> Evan Hazard, you know. It's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. Comes around and all that. Yeah. But uh, just thinking... Yeah, no, there weren't, there weren't good. Obviously, N'Golo uh, Conte's missing, so they've lost their last two away games, and he hasn't been involved in them. Sterling, uh, in fairness, he scored. He had a chance before that, which... Scored twice the weekend as well. Mm. Yeah, so I, I don't think he's... I think one of the issues is Kai Havertz. What do you do with him? Where's his best position? But in general, their attack is not very good. That was the, that was the big question mark. That was the big question mark. He brought Brohan last night who like, looked big and burly and decent, but are they trying to get rid of him? Did they put him on so they could sell him in the next 24 hours? Did they put him on because they think he's an option? They have a lot of players who do a lot of the same things. Yeah. But I just think as a unit, and this was even a criticism I would have had of Tuchel's Chelsea even last season, where people were wondering, could they go on and win the league? And they obviously signed Lukaku, and we know it didn't go very well. But they are very hard to beat, usually. They, they, they haven't been like that the last couple of away games. But they still don't convince me going forward in terms of what the plan is. Yeah. But they have so many good players that they can obviously score goals anyway. Yeah. But they're not getting the most. It's not, out of it seems players. almost it's like there's, there's there's no overarching strategy behind how we're going to score. Beyond we have a lot of good players, yeah. we'll give them responsibility to do it. You good players go out and you look after it, kind of thing. He, he did more or less antagonise Conte. To be fair, um, he was poor about the referee in a, in a subsequent game when he basically called his integrity into account. And maybe there is a little bit coming back to hit him in the face now. Um, but he's definitely under pressure. I think. Yeah, I think uh, the results keep going this way. Mm. You just can't spend a quarter of a billion and expect there to be no repercussions for it. Uh, okay, so very quickly, your thoughts on some of the loan deals that have uh, been completed? Deli Ali going to Bajiktas. Callum Hudson-Odoi to Bayer Leverkusen, Harry Winks to Sampdoria. Good for all three of them to be away from the pressure cooker of... Yeah, I, I think... The pressure cooker, Deli Ali in Turkey. Yeah, well... That's that, a pressure cooker. Yeah, that is that is a pressure cooker. And he's, you know, if he doesn't perform, the, the crowd will get on his back. But he needed to, to get some sort of a change. But I don't know if, how it's going to work out for him. Uh, I think Hudson-Odoi, that's a good move. I think the way he plays his style, the Bundesliga was suited. It definitely suits attacking players... And Harry Winks, even if it doesn't work out, he gets to wear a Kraken jersey every week. Where is he going? Sampdoria. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a beaut. Yeah. yeah. What will new signing Anthony offer at Manchester United? Oh, he's quality. Um, he's obviously going to play in the right wing. But Where will Jaden Sancho play? Well, he can play him on the left. Right. Um, and you've got options then in the middle. Um, but with Anthony, obviously... Because he's left foot, everyone thinks he's going to cut inside, but not necessarily. Like he has no problem going then the outside, and you know he's not he's not explosive with his pace, but his feet. He's got great feet. Technically, a really good player. So now they need to make sure that they have somebody that can link up with him on that right hand side. And at the moment, it's Diogo Dallo, but there is um, talk of Dest from Barcelona, who obviously would have played under. Ten Hag at Ajax. I didn't haven't seen enough of of Dest at Barcelona to know is that an upgrade on Dallo or is yeah. it just strength and depth and they'll have two right backs then they can kind of interchange like most. Yeah, of the I think they. Uh, yeah, and Juan Bissaka would obviously be let go because Juan Bissaka just isn't good enough attacking wise and actually defensively he seems to, okay, his like. confidence is gone. Like you know when he came to United defensively he was pretty good in terms of when you try and take him on positionally not so good but. You know he's he's definitely hasn't um, he hasn't improved since he's gone to United. So uh, Dest would obviously provide a bit of um, competition, and because Dallow, I don't think Dallow is um, 
he's not good enough really for the, the very top level. But United are not there right now. They're trying to get there. But it'd be another another player that he has managed or played against week in week out so it's very clear they've just decided you are in charge of everything you can have whatever you want fix this yeah and here's some money and it's a lot of money people are talking about Anthony but if he's good then the price tag never gets talked about it's as soon as things go bad the price tag gets thrown at it look at prime example is Harry Maguire I mean remember when Liverpool bought Van Dijk people laughed at the price tag it's relevant once they play well yeah Absolutely. I mean and it literally is small figures at this stage uh, Ronaldo is he still going to be there on today I think, I, think Friday? I just don't know who's going to take him unless like his move to United all happened very quickly last season so unless something happens quickly maybe the, the Ten Hag situation is interesting because he's obviously he's saying one thing but he must be thinking oh. another well, I guess he's not a bad sub to have to bring on mm. if you're chasing the game. Is he good in the dressing room if he's not That's playing? The thing, I don't know. I, he, mean, I don't know if he's going to have. I think so. Ten Hag is now going to have eight or nine players who absolutely think he is the dog's bollocks, mm. right? Because of what's happened. Mm. The ones he's all signed, the ones who've all played with him before, yeah. and the ones who are like, "Oh, there's somebody who knows what he's doing in charge." All of a sudden. Fernando's pouting they're like oh your man's pouting again it's not like yeah. oh the, he's the leader I've got to follow him because like he's clearly the boss when Solskjaer is like you know mm. that's changed so is he even a good option off the bench going forward like is he certainly he not is. what he was I mean like say for example he didn't play against Liverpool he, he came on but he didn't start but think about the first few minutes when that ball fell to Alanga mm. and he didn't score but if that ball fell to Ronaldo he does score but his now, legs are gone more or less yeah he the, the, the it's a dynamic Man United team in the making yeah. in terms of pace and that so he totally changes the narrative yeah um, but um, it's a difficult one I mean short of well it, you, 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 you can cancel his contract like Ross Barkley has uh, yeah. contract cancelled and you just pay him a lot of money to go away and that's fine and then he's not a problem in the dressing room or you decide that we rather than giving him the money up front we're going to pay him on a weekly basis and hopefully he'll score 10 goals between now and the end of the season and that's worthwhile you know terrible cup yeah. um, and look, maybe they win the Europa League and he gets nah, he has that that's level I don't um, what's the Dubravka signing about is he gonna no he's just backup keeper Not, no pressure no but I, I think that is a position that they need to look at in, in the future because if Ten Hag has an idea of how he wants to play um, then De Gea is not the answer but see it's like you have to clear players off the the squad list, and you have to bring it in bit by bit. And they've done a remarkable job. If they if they get if they get Dest, it will be like a half a team at least. Yeah, and that's a remarkable one transfer window. Mm. It's not bad considering a few weeks ago it looked where they really they, poor they came from. And yeah. now it's about playing with the intensity that Ten Hag wants the way they played against Liverpool, but you know they weren't great against Southampton. So Southampton are really be, good it turns out yeah well the pitch didn't help either and the pitch was awful again last night but look there is going to be setbacks so as soon as there are setbacks then all the same arguments come up but the thing is like this was never going to be a quick fix but well, unfortunately when you're the manager of Manchester United I don't know if the same arguments are as, as readily available to people now they do have Casemiro in midfield they will have some brain power there they will have some brawn there they will have like uh, a fast forward who's tricky and I don't know maybe maybe he's a bust Sancho I don't know if Sancho's going to make it at this level like do you try and ship Sancho out and try and get some of that money back I think if the if you have a good forward unit Sancho works for you perfectly mm. because he's a very intelligent footballer and he so he's going to be a, an inside left yeah 
But That's his position. I mean, you can also, you can interchange. Anthony could play on the left if you wanted. Um, so we see it often as well if you're playing three up front you know players can drift into the centre so it's about having fluidity and I, I see Sancho definitely as part of that OK alright uh, Man City Aaron talks over deal sign Borussia Dortmund centre back Manuel Akanji is this a position City needs to strengthen is this good big time yeah because even when they played Newcastle a few weeks ago the starting centre half were Stones and Ake and you think when you see those the problem is you usually can't get the ball off City, so they're fine for most games. But if there's a big game against good opposition, and in fairness to Newcastle that day, they caused City a lot of problems. A game and a half, they conceded five goals. And it was like in the Newcastle game, they did, like when they lost possession, they was mm. like, Jesus, you can actually hurt these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, but the thing is, City are just not used to teams going at them because they have the ball for so long. Mm. And obviously Ruben Diaz came on in that game as well. And... I think it is a position that they definitely need to strengthen. I've never really understood the whole um, thing behind Nathan Ake. But they spent a lot of money on that. Yeah. Uh, will Liverpool sign anybody before the window closes? Yes or no? No. All right. That is today's deal or no deal. I signed for them after the Euros. And after my first day's training, I was driving home. I was actually thinking, regretting it. What have I done? I like I walked into a circus. It's amazing, isn't it? OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow With the new Gillette Labs Razor With exfoliating bar 